The GameCube is Cool podcast is a recorded and produced show from Toronto, Canada. If you want to support the show, you can go to patreon.com forward slash the GameCube is Cool to find our $1 and $5 a month tiers. Special thank you to our Patreon supporters at the $5 level. I Rebel, Dean Donian, Jed Winters, Joey Sirico, Resident Evil Collector on Instagram, Link, Marty Thompson, Double Ugly, Bendito, Benito, AJ Olson 11, Cube Dude, Bogus Lotus, Doomerzan782, and Jude Hanlon. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to our very special racing episode where we're going to be talking about NASCAR and some Namco and other weird racing games on the GameCube. This will actually be one of our last racing game episodes. And we have about eight or nine games, I don't remember, covering today. And that's a lot of back of the cases to read during the episode. So, as always is tradition, I will be reading the back of the cases now to save time during the episode. You can skip ahead a few minutes if you want to, or you can join me reading the back of the cases of all of these games. 18-wheeler American Pro Trucker, 500 horses under the hood, thunder across America in the biggest, baddest machine on the open road, load up with cargo and head cross-country, speeding, plowing, crashing, and crushing your way ahead of the world's fiercest truckers. Remember, break the rules, but don't break for nothing. Features five unique semis with different handling, top speeds, torque, and toughness. Race across America, shift up and hammer down from New York to San Francisco. Arcade, parking challenge, score attack, and two-player versus modes. Next up, we have NASCAR Thunder 2003. Roll with the thunder. Build a legacy. Manage your team by hiring a pit crew, signing sponsorships, and building cars to compete for the cup in 20 consecutive career mode seasons. Win Thunder Plates. Collect over 100 plates to access across all 175 cars, 60 events, and 70 drivers. Relive NASCAR history. Take on over 30 MRN moment of the race scenarios from real life NASCAR races in Lightning Challenge. Earn your Thunder license. Interactive instruction from Richard Petty and other NASCAR car drivers teaches you the best driving lines breakpoints and more ea sports tracks grinding soundtrack features classics and new hits from stefan wolf h-e-d-p-e non-point and more next up nascar dirt to daytona get your career in gear compete in your choice of over four different nascar racing series prospective drivers should be highly competitive and interested in building a winning team Opportunities include single races, season championships, thrilling race day scenarios, and training from real NASCAR drivers. Key features, career mode including all four NASCAR series, 31 total tracks including exciting dirt tracks, realistic car damage from scratches and scrapes to dents and multi-car destruction, over 100 different parts available to upgrade cars, NASCAR weekly racing series presented by Dodge, NASCAR Featherlight Modified Series, NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series, and NASCAR Cup Series. Next up, Big Mother Truckers. Keep it in the family. Oh boy. Listen up. Y'all have six days to prove yourself as the biggest, baddest trucker in the Hick State County. Smash your way down the highway, buying and selling cargo to earn your way to the top. This ain't no easy task. The law ain't always on your side. And there's bikers and truck jackers lurking around every corner. Are y'all with me? Aye, aye, Captain. Next up, we have R Racing Evolution. R Racing Evolution is an extraordinary action racing experience featuring authentic licensed cars and daring real-world tracks. Combining awesome graphical quality and high-performance driving physics with a spectacular storyline, R Racing Evolution chronicles the intense competition and deep rivalries found only within the professional racing circuit. 
Next up, we have Street Racing Syndicate. Every night in cities like LA, Philly, and Miami, crews of import tuners push their nitrous-injected obsessions to the limit. Whether in underground or sanctioned races, on the tracks, or through the wide-open city streets, high speeds bring high risks and serious rush. In Street Racing Syndicate, choose your challenges carefully, because glory's nice, money and models are better, but driving away with your opponent's ride is just plain sick. Sick. Next up, we have Pac-Man World Rally. Gobble, munch, vroom, race as one of 14 beloved classic Namco characters. Test your driving skills in race and battle modes. Eat up your competition when you transform into the incredible Pac-Mobile. Play on a variety of brand new and classic arcade-inspired tracks. Join Pac-Man, his friends, and a host of Namco characters in the fastest, most exciting kart racing game ever. Okay. Race against your friends against the computer or fight it out in battle mode with exciting new weapons and crazy pack powers. It's all you can eat, adrenaline. And last but not least, we have NASCAR 2005 Chase for the Cup. Fight to the top. New fight to the top mode. Develop your driver and fight in the ultimate championship by simultaneously dominating different racing series, managing race teams, and earning new rides and sponsorships. The NASCAR Featherlight Modified Series, NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series, NASCAR Bush Series, and American Muscle Cars join the circuit. Make your own late season drama in the only game featuring the new championship point system. Force mistakes with the new Intimidator control, but be prepared to deal with the consequence after the race. Settle differences between your arch nemesis by racing high speed through city streets in top American performance and production cars. Whew. Ladies and gentlemen, that was a good back of the case segment. Love doing this to warm up for the show, but of course now I gotta bring my friend Mike onto the show to uh, talk about some other racing games with me. Bit of a weird transition. So anyways, on with the show. The GameCube, GameCube was cool. Hosted by Mike Lane and Neil Gilbert. Anyways, Mike, uh, he had to kill the guy, and uh, the police are still looking for him. Oh, oh, well, that's shocking, Neil, but oh, mm -hmm. uh, we are live. Oh, wow. I can't believe we recorded that. Well, Mike, thank you so much for joining me today. We have some uh, pretty cool GameCube news, believe it or not. We have some GameCube news. Doesn't happen a lot in 2022, but last week, Ross Chastain, a NASCAR driver, made a crazy move on the last lap of his race where he basically went really hard against the wall and rode it all the way to the finish line, passing other drivers. And uh, this was the interview after the race, and it's pretty much inspired us to do this episode today. So here, here's what he said. Hold on. Played a lot of NASCAR 2005 on the GameCube with Chad growing up, and uh, you could get away with it. And I never knew if it would actually work. And I've, I mean, I've done, <laughs> I did that when I was eight years old. And um, I grabbed fifth gear. I asked off a two um, on the last lap. Anyway, then he starts talking about NASCAR <laughs> stuff, which I don't care about. But ne nevertheless, he referenced the GameCube in, a, in an interview. Isn't that crazy? That's crazy. The fact that he did that is amazing. <laughs> he didn't say PS2, he didn't say Xbox, he didn't just say video games, he said GameCube. Nope. He specifically mentioned it. And uh, I'm really hoping we get a nice little boost from that. People are going to be looking like, oh yeah, GameCube was cool. I should type that in. <laughs> well, we but did, Mike, on uh, Halloween last week. We actually did have quite a few uh, listeners on that day, mostly for Resident Evil 4, but we did get a bit of a bump a week ago. So Yeah, it's true. I saw we got some Resident Evil 4 listeners, some Luigi Ma Luigi's Mansion listeners 
as well mm-hmm. for Halloween. Always Oof. good to see that uh, it's a uh, festive. <laughs> Obviously, the Luigi's Mansion one is a little rougher. Uh, we're hoping to go back to that at some point in the next year. But uh, yeah, mm-hmm. always good to see some GameCube news. And I'm really happy that... Uh, that uh, uh, Ross uh, was able to mention that, and yeah, we get a lot of we got, I got a lot of messages about that. Uh, so I woke up the next morning seeing this. I was like, well, what, what what happened here? Yeah, as we've learned with this podcast, you bring up the GameCube to anybody now in their twenties, thirties, and it's hard to say, but even forties, like there's starting to be people who are like, oh yeah, I played that console. I remember that console from high school, or I remember from college or junior high or elementary school, depending on their age, and. A lot of people gave up on it after it uh, after the Wii came out, but not us. We're uh, we're, we're diehard GameCube fans, and it's just crazy to think some of these things turning like we're going to talk about today, twenty years old uh, or older. Specifically, it's the twentieth anniversary of the Sonic Mega Collection and Resident Evil Zero came out twenty years to the day. Twentieth uh, anniversaries, Mike, getting a little scary, huh? A little scary. Yeah, I, I don't I don't like it, Neil. It's too close because I like vividly remember things that came out 20 years ago. And I also wanted mm-hmm. to say uh, Resident Evil Zero coming out 20 years ago. Uh, kind of missed the Halloween deadline there, eh? <laughs> so, <laughs> a bit of an interesting, like the next week yeah. after Halloween. I just imagine them being like, is there any way we could get it out late October? They're like, yes. And then a year comes, a year goes by. It's like, oh, we did not make that deadline. <laughs> That's a tough one to hit on the deadline. Resident Evil has always been a series that doesn't always hit on around Halloween, like we talked about a couple weeks ago with uh, with Friday the 13th, how it just doesn't always hit uh, in time for the season. So uh, I think a Resident Evil game is fine anytime. I remember when RE7 came out, the one that kind of revamped the series or relaunched the series back in, gosh, that was like 2017 now. It came out in like March, February or March, and like it's still sold like gangbusters. So uh yeah. resident evil is a powerhouse of a uh, series and we're looking forward to re4 remake next year we'll have to talk about it again on this show but in other news uh pikmin bloom also just turned one no one's gonna care about that i saw <laughs> that in the news, news. <laughs> i was like looking for some nintendo news and it was like pikmin bloom turns one it's like no one's gonna care about pikmin bloom turning one i feel like an- media anniversaries specifically are kind of weird do you do you remember when we were young like i feel like Maybe it's just a thing when you're a kid, you're just never really looking back at things. You're constantly looking forward into the future and to see what's coming out and everything. Um, but I feel like no one cared when things turned 1, 5, 10 when we were kids. It's definitely more of like a 2010s, 2020 thing to say. Maybe our parents were saying it for big things like world events or massive movies or records or you know, like the Beatles, Abbey Road or Alien always feels like one that our parents always reference. Like, yeah, 79. I remember that movie. But like no one in 2006 said, wow, Spy Kids turned five today. You know? <laughs> yeah, no, it, it's true. <laughs> it's uh, it's definitely, I think, just more so with the fact that there's just so many more social avenues and like social media existing so that stuff like that gets like pushed. And also it's a, uh, you know, it's a marketing campaign, right? It's just another way to sell things. It's really consumerism is is the whole idea with anniversaries. But it, I, I like I think a big thing back in the day was when Star Wars had the 20th anniversary. I always hear stuff about that. Uh, the 97 release of Star Wars, how it got re-released in the theater again. And all the mm-hmm. actors were, were interviewed and stuff for it and were very much part of the, the re-release because... For them, you know, I think they thought like Star Wars was done. And I think most fans thought Star Wars was done, right? So yeah. uh, this was kind of like a relaunch of it almost uh, 20 years later. So that was a big, big thing that I – obviously, we were only really little when that happened. But uh, I, I've read a lot about that being like a big anniversary. Yeah, that's a good point. Like I feel like anniversaries 
were more impactful back in the day when it was things that hadn't been continually going. Yeah. You know, like a Star Wars anniversary nowadays is kind of like whatever because there's like three Star Wars, new Star Wars things a month it feels like right now. Yeah. So like the 40, what is it now? The 45th anniversary of A New Hope is this year. 45 like is a weird feel... name. Uh, like a weird, who cares It's a weird number, but like, yeah. yeah, I know, but still it's like yeah. they're not going to make a huge deal of that. But even like when the 50th anniversary rolls around, like it'll be a big deal for our parents. But like in... 2027 like there's going to be like a million new tv shows and a few new movies and video games by then it'll be like yeah it never really went away i mean it did go away in the 80s and 90s but like we haven't we don't really know a life without star wars really yeah um so it's just different for us but that's just something i like to think about there but uh enough talk about uh enough talk about these these random (laughs) anniversaries mike i think it's about time that we talked about some racing games on the gamecube what do you say that's right neil we got a big episode today That's right, Mike, we definitely do. So, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 118 of the GameCube is Cool podcast. New episode every Thursday on all the major podcast services. We are the number one GameCube podcast on the internet. We're here to look back on all 555 North American GameCube games, one by one, sometimes 12 by 12. So far, we have covered 518 games. You can visit thegamecubewascool.com to check out all the things we've been working on. The website was developed by our very own Mike Lane. And some Pikmin Bloom developers. Oh, good. Yeah, they need something else to do, I guess, while they're uh, waiting on Pikmin Bloom 2. Last week, we talked about the Tales series and Batten Kaitos. We were joined by friends of the show, Zaffer and Gaming Productions. If you haven't already, go back and check it out. This week, we are talking about pretty much the remaining racing games on the GameCube uh, to talk about that we haven't covered already, mostly NASCAR games, and a few other racing games we simply titled as Hilarious Games, because there were some wacky racing games that showed up... That showed up on the GameCube, PS2, and Xbox, and other consoles, which we would love to talk about today. Uh, But I guess the best way to kind of kick off this episode, Mike, is to talk about our history with specifically NASCAR games, because that that is a genre all in its own. And NASCAR games, they they dip their toe into many different uh, different consoles, like on Nintendo consoles, PC, handheld, the arcade specifically. Uh, lots of different ways that we as kids and adults could uh, find our way to play a NASCAR game. Do you have any memories of playing any NASCAR racing games back in the day? Yeah, I actually do. I never owned them, but I played them at people's houses. NASCAR was something that obviously in Canada, it's not as big for sure as it is in the US. No. But a lot of kids had NASCAR games for some reason or other. Uh, it was just an EA sports game, right? So it was pretty easy to pick it up and play it. And EA really worked hard to make these games very accessible. They also have the same UI as all the other EA sports games, the similar kind of soundtracks at the time too. Yep. So it it was really easy for a kid to just jump into and start playing and just start racing against their friends. Uh, and I certainly did that with some of my other friends. And uh, yeah, I, I remember Chase for the Cup for sure. Just like Ross, uh, I played uh, <laughs> played some d- doing some crazy moves with Chase for the Cup. And I can't wait to have um, Marty on to talk more about uh, playing those games because they, they are actually really good games like these nascar games are honestly some of the best racing games on the gamecube yeah definitely you didn't own any of these games back in the day did you i don't remember you having yeah i can for some reason i can picture the nascar which one is it hold on Uh, yeah for some reason i can picture you owning like nascar thunder 2003 but i guess that was just the box art all looks the same for ea sports (laughs) yeah you're right yeah because you owned like the baseball hockey golf it just makes sense to have that other one on on your shelf yeah. but yeah it's definitely something that you would have just played at a friend's house and they got it as a gift or something i'm the same as you i don't have a ton of experience playing any nascar games it's definitely not at anybody's houses i remember playing nascar games at Palladium, the arcade oh yeah near our house because they had the arcade rigs set up where you could sit in uh either a nascar car or like a formula one car so or much something more fun 
Oh, yeah, definitely. That was actually a thing at the Palladium. I don't know if you remember this, Mike, but there was, like, a section of the room that was just, like, eight cars lined up yeah. next to each other. And they were you were all playing against each other. It was basically a multiplayer game where everyone was racing. I'm pretty sure it was a NASCAR game. I don't remember which one it was, but I remember that that specific area had a lineup usually. I remember that too. Yeah, like that, yeah. that for a kid, that's like the most fun you can do and as an adult, honestly, is is <laughs> going those little racing pods and race against each other because the, the when when you have a good arcade racer like that, oh, it's mm-hmm. so much fun. Yeah, and everyone's playing it too. Like you have your yeah. buddies with you. You're all lining up. You're going to play against each other and see who who can race. And that one was more like a driving sim too. It wasn't like a, a just hold down the gas and steer. Like that one you had to brake, you had to shift yeah. gears and everything. Yeah. So it was a pretty a pretty good sim for a game in that would have been like the early 2000s, I suppose. But for the most part, that's my only history with NASCAR at all. Like you said, Mike, like in Canada, NASCAR is not a thing at all. Between that and Talladega Nights, I really don't have any uh, <laughs> memories or history with the with the franchise, if you will, at all. But I learned a lot about it this week. It's a $100 million annual revenue business, basically, only in the States for the most part. Um, never been to a NASCAR anything before, but there are 45 NASCAR home console games, 12 arcade games, and 18 games with quote-unquote NASCAR elements. So that's games like Hot Wheels games or uh, even Rocket League has some NASCAR mm-hmm. elements in there as well. The very first NASCAR game is called Richard Petty's Talladega, which was first released in 1984 on the Atari and the Commodore 64. I watched some gameplay of it this week, and we've we've gotten better at, at video games <laughs> over the good. years. One of my favorite things was a uh, Commodore User, which is a magazine. Uh, they said the game was similar to Pole Position and Pit Stop. So if anybody knows what that is, similar games. They felt the strategic elements of the game made it worth playing, but the slow start was a weakness. They also criticized the game for being too long and said that they had no idea who Richard Petty even was. <laughs> and the game rates a four out of five for value for money. I love that that's how the magazine was uh, rating yeah. games was value for money. I think that's a really, really cool idea. But from 1994 to 2003, NASCAR games were made primarily by a software company called Papyrus Design Group. And uh, the series was mostly known as NASCAR Racing for for the longest time. They made six games plus expansions and collections for DOS, Windows, and one PlayStation game. Uh, That series actually was moderately successful in the 90s. I Mm. never played it. No one I knew ever had it. But uh, in 1998, it was the 24th best-selling PC game. And by 1998, the first two games in the series had sold over 2 million copies. So pretty good racing sim on the PC, but uh, we're talking about uh, today mostly in 2003 when EA Sports uh, received the exclusive home console rights to produce NASCAR games, which uh, took out Papyrus and uh, any other competitors that EA had, and uh, they started to uh, produce their own NASCAR games under the EA Sports banner. Like how you said, these games looked like other EA Sports games, so they pretty much just took that template for cases and the uh, UI in the games to all look very similar and uh, original titles that EA made were NASCAR 98, 99, and 2000. They started some spinoffs like NASCAR Rumble and uh, NASCAR Thunder, which is uh, one of the games we're, we're going to be talking about today. So with that, I think that it's probably time that we brought on our first caller, Mike. So uh, who's joining us today? All right. And joining us today, friend of the show, Marty, who is going to be coming on to talk about uh, these great NASCAR games. We're really excited about it. And our first question to you, Marty, would be that if you had a NASCAR stock car, which I'm sure you will have very soon, uh, what kind of branding would you put on there? What kind of what kind of sponsors would you be seeking out? Yeah, so it has. So uh, can I can I ask like a follow up question? Should it should it should it be like lore friendly, like NASCAR lore friendly? No, any brand, like any knockoff guitar brand, any 
bad light beer mm. brand. You can whatever you want. Whatever whatever has a logo is up for grabs. Is, is this is are these the things that define Marty? Is this right? Yeah, light? that's what I think of when I think of Marty sometimes. Yeah, I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. I mean I have an Epiphone, <laughs> that's fine. So what I'm gonna I'm gonna just immediately I'm just gonna take what you said. No offense to you, I'm just gonna completely change it. I'm just gonna do my own thing. So I think I like I really like blue. I really like uh, the sort of like a, like a lighter blue color. So I think that'd be what I want, the color of my car. And I immediately am thinking about, you know, the old Winston. See, this is, all the NASCAR heads listening to this are thinking, and they probably listen to the show. They think I'm a piece of <laughs> at this point. But I'm going to start, like, just dropping knowledge. I think immediately of the Winston Cup, Winston being darts, cigarettes. Mm-hmm. And we call them darts up here. So I want to do players, uh, player cigarettes, if you're familiar with that brand. Um, honestly, I'll probably make up this car, uh, uh, tonight and send it to you. Players light. Yeah. Players light. <laughs> Cause it's like a nice light blue. And then do I get to pick the color or do I get, do I, I get to pick the number too, I guess. Um, yeah, oh yeah. 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 I'm going to do, I'm going to do 77. I think 77 players light Marty Thompson. Um, yeah, I think, Just, I think that's a good, that's a good start. I have made, I don't know. Has anyone, have you, have either of you are you familiar with iRacing at all? We know of it because of researching for this yeah, podcast. So it, it's actually huge. Uh, actually a, yeah, a, a yeah. mutual friend of ours. He, uh, grew up actually like, uh, in the, uh, at the racetrack that's just outside of Toronto that will, has the odd, I'm not sure exactly. It has like the odd indie race, and I know NASCAR's gone there a couple of times with lower level stuff. He is huge into iRacing, and I once made him an old Vienna car that I think he's still driving in iRacing to this day. Wow. <laughs> so that's a fun that's a fun tidbit. If anyone here listening to this does iRacing and you see a guy with a giant OV car, that's me. I think I put like on the back, I think I said like, please call the police. I'm definitely drinking and driving or something. I can't remember. I'll, I'll pull that up if you, if you want. You can share it. Oh, that's amazing. Uh, I. It's gonna be that's gonna be the only OV car. So uh, yeah, Old Vienna being a being a like a really a, a really dingy beer brand, just like all the beer brands you see in NASCAR. So <laughs> in Canada, of course, in Canada, of course, of course. Uh, yeah, Neil. Uh, you know, I didn't actually. Well, we didn't ask each other this question, but what about you, Neil? What, do you have any uh, any brands that come to mind for yourself? Yeah, Oreo Oreo Cakesters Oreo makes Cakesters. the most sense for me. Probably like Yeti, like the the thermal mug Yeti. I'd have to throw no that up there way. at some point. Yeah. That's definitely a logo for me. Uh, Mystery Inc., just like the Scooby Doo brand, whatever. If they have a, if they're in, they are incorporated, so they must have a, they That's must true. sponsor uh, some kind of uh, car. They have to know. file taxes as a corporation. They do so. have to file a T four with the Canadian federal government. That's correct. <laughs> My number, I didn't even think about that. Uh, go with thirty five. This is still pretty lore friendly, though. Like Oreo, like all of this is still it all like makes sense for NASCAR, to be honest. Oreo's good, but but I don't want the Oreo logo. I want specifically the Oreo Cakesters logo. I won't take yeah, I won't take Mr. Christie's money unless it's the Cakesters logo. And in Canada, it would make all the sense because we don't sell Cakesters here. Well, I like uh, for me Canada Dry. I think I'd be but the oh, old logo. Canada Dry, yeah, the old logo, of yeah, course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, looking good in that. <laughs> you look like a time traveling can... NASCAR driver. You're just gonna have old '70s logos. <laughs> <laughs> and here comes Mike Lane in the Canada Dry. <laughs> uh, I'd go double zero for my numbers because oh, you know I think zero is cool, but double zero. It just feels like a huge asshole move, and I uh, I like that a lot. I feel like I would fit in in that sense. And I'm trying to think of other brands, Kraft Peanut Butter as well would be good. Specifically, the blue Kraft, Kraft Peanut Butter. Yeah, because that's low what salt. I like to. Yeah. yeah, the low salt, low sodium. Uh, so I'd make my car. How about the old Teletoon logo with the yeah, eyes? Yeah, old Teletoon logo. Mm. Uh, and also the uh oh logo would be on there <laughs> from the hit show uh-oh <laughs> that's very very okay very cancon friendly there as well i think that you're like if, 
the double zero number, like I'm just looking it up now. Like actually there's looks like there's no one active in NASCAR that has that number right now. I think that it's David Rootman has the most he was only one twice in that number. I think it's I think it's yours for the taking, Mike. I think you can really own that and uh and and bring double zero into into the twenty first century for sure. See if I can get the most caps is uh double zero uh <laughs> in NASCAR. I think that's what that means, sure. <laughs> but uh of course sure, we yeah. brought Marty on today to talk about some NASCAR games. And before we do, Neil, why don't you read us the stats for all three? Because we're gonna talk about all three together and um we'll go from there. That makes sense to me. Starting with NASCAR Thunder 2003, released on September 19th, 2002, developed by EA Sports and Budcat Creations. It's published by EA Sports. It's also on PS2, Xbox, PC, and PS1. Rates an 8.5 out of 10. Priced today at around $10, and this is, of course, a stock car racing game. Then we had NASCAR Dirt to Daytona, released on November 27th, 2002. We got two NASCAR games this year. Developed by Monster Games, published by Atari and Infogrames. Or grams, I never know what the hell it is. Also on PlayStation 2, rates an 8.5 out of 10, priced today at around $30. Then we had NASCAR 2005 Chase for the Cup, released on September 4th, 2004. Developed by EA Tiburon, published by EA Sports, also on PS2 and Xbox, rates an 8.5 out of 10, priced today at around $20. What's surprising to me about this is that all three of these games are pretty good. Like, they stand the test of time. They're good racing games. Solid 8.5s, 8s out of 10s. So, Marty, we brought you on to talk about these games. What are your uh, first experiences playing uh, NASCAR games on the GameCube? Well, I think you you have to, for, for these games specifically, and I know the Dirt to Daytona, I didn't play it, but um, after some, some very quick research, I found that that was the, the, the direct... Um, the impetus for this this is the first like actual proper be a pro mode that um i'd ever played and i think maybe was mm-hmm. ever even available to me or to anyone our age playing video games so for those unfamiliar with the concept i guess i can explain it really quickly so um nascar has like a, a multiple tiers like maybe that's maybe not um uh, series very, different series. series series yeah maybe it's not apparent to people but there's so there's obviously like your your main um your main uh like top tier that would have obviously other races the races that you'd be familiar with but then there's also there's like a there's a truck series as well where they literally drive trucks uh which is hilarious (laughs) and then it keeps going down and down and down so this concept of this like sort of be a pro mode was interesting in that it literally starts your game as you're just like driving on the street and then you encounter i think it's newman yeah ryan newman i like a little i like a little toy car of his it's sick um, so you, yeah, you, you encounter him and then, he, and then he sort of like signs you and then you like begin your, your sort of be a pro journey starting with like the Featherlight series, I think. And then you go up to truck or whatever. And it was a super, super intuitive, like, I, I don't think I really appreciated it at the time, but there's all these different concepts and nuances that actually make a super boring concept of just driving in a circle <laughs> to actually make it like worthwhile over a, that's not a joke. That is not a joke. No one should laugh. <laughs> to make it like a worthwhile thing, because you actually wanted to race it all the way through, because you had you, there was sort of a good and bad meter. I know, Mike, you you've probably done the research as well, but it like was very intuitive in in how um, you would actually want to race the seasons as it goes. What you're talking about, Marty, is actually Chase for the Cup 2005. This is the one with all the uh, 
the cool hero and villain meters that they introduced. I think, uh, and I think dirt, dirt to Daytona was that concept as well, if I'm not mistaken, just for the true heads. I bet there's people out there that are yelling <laughs> at their computer. So <laughs> it was, it was that concept. And, and cause, cause that's the infograms one. And then that's right out right before EA just fully bought the license for NASCAR. Mm-hmm. Um, and right. then they just made the EA games after that. But, uh, chase for the cup basically, yeah, took that idea, be a pro and pushed it even farther the almost like RPG elements of Chase for the Cup are crazy. It's nice. uh, I was I was really really impressed watching footage of this. I was like, oh my god, this is really cool. Like, and it actually this is like the one sport I would say that it really works well, right? Because you can decide to just be an asshole and just mm. smash everyone's cars, so then your 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 villain meter goes up, or you can um you know be a nice guy, make some allies, and uh, and because of that, you actually get to go faster because you get to kind of tail behind more and more people. It reminded me a lot, Neil, of of Knights of the Old Republic, in that sense, because of the uh you know Knights of the Old Republic. The big thing is dark side versus light side, right? You, yeah. you the story changes based on the actions that you take. The same thing with Fight to the Top, which is the uh, what the Be a Pro is called in Chase for the Cup. And I thought that was really, really cool. And like just for maybe for a bit of context for people who hadn't played these games, like you would be driving, you'd be imagining like you, you're, you're drafting behind like a teammate and also having the concept of teammates in racing maybe also mm-hmm. seems foreign. But that was a huge deal, especially at that time where there were like some really dominant teams that were that were consistently winning over the time. Uh, Jeff Gordon, obviously, and uh, Jimmy Johnson, famously. My, my grandma's favorite driver for a long time. Um, so <laughs> that's a fun one. Um, so the, the concept of, of teams is always interesting because you're driving up and you'll see like a, a like sort of a friendly more or less, and then you can communicate with them quite well to actually draft, which is obviously a, to 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 beat the, um, the wind resistance or whatever. But you'd come up to a point where there'd be like a red icon and you're being like, oh, sh- I just completely smashed that guy in the wall last race. <laughs> and then you try to cut him on the inside and he will try to bump you. Like he will yeah. fully try to like undercut you or pit maneuver you like while you're driving. So it like, it was interesting because you obviously want to be a, like a, a bit of a asshole while you're doing it. But then at the same time, like you would immediately receive the consequences where if maybe, I don't know, you, you, you two play more, have played more video games than I have. Feels like the the good versus bad sort of the the Knights Steel Republic thing you're talking about. Like it's hard to actually make that actionable and like make that actually happen for a someone playing a game often. But in NASCAR, like this totally totally would happen, and you just completely like if you're running to the first, like running to first through like the the like the final lap, you just get taken out. You're like, well, I had to be a nice guy, I guess. It really it really uses like almost the soap opera style of NASCAR like to the, to yeah. its advantage in a huge way. Like I I think. I can't see EA ever wanting to do something like this in a in a EA sports kind of game anymore. It seems like way too much work for them. They'd be like, ah, like what are we gonna get out of this? Yeah. Uh, put some microtransactions in instead. Um, <laughs> at the time, like you know, we talked about this tons of times. How two thousand four, two thousand five, this was the era for great sports games on uh, these consoles and. And NASCAR games, especially Chase for the Cup 2005, is no different. Like, it's it's so well done in that sense in the, in the career mode. I, I couldn't believe it. Uh, and the AI does react really well to you, like you were explaining there, Marty. Like, it's it's you kind of have to remember what you like. You, there's a lot of consequences to your yeah. actions. And I think that's I can't think of another sports game because I know, you know, NHL and MVP baseball and a couple of those other esports games at the time they had a lot of those that morale stuff when you were mm-hmm. like gm mode yep. or dynasty mode mm-hmm. 
um, and trying to put teams together. But it really didn't like make that much of a difference when you're on the ice where this does. This makes a huge difference, especially in NASCAR when, yeah, like you said, it's one big oval. You're going around 100 times. You and you're all kind of like bunched up in the same little area. It it makes a massive difference if you hit a guy into a wall or not the, the race before. <laughs> I like the in-between-the-race part, things that they can do, too. Like, after a race is done, there's, like, a little cutscene where maybe you get into an argument with somebody on oh your team God, yeah. or, like, on <laughs> another best. team, and there's, like, a fight that breaks out and stuff. And then, like, in between, like, load screens or the menus and everything, you, you have a phone. Like, your character or you yeah. have, like, a flip phone. <laughs> Basically, it looks like a Nokia phone from 2001. Yep. It's awesome. With the red uh, hang-up button and the green pick-up button. And, like, you can see you get a text that says stuff like you know, you're in trouble for your bad behavior on the track today and stuff. And like, it makes you feel like, like you're actually getting yeah. like in trouble from, for, for doing bad things on the, uh, on the road. It's like, yeah, you could just make a NASCAR game where you literally just drive around in circles, but it's little stuff like this that like adds that charm that EA was doing at this time. That's awesome. I love that cell phone thing that they added in. It's yeah, so great. funny. More games need to do that. You're like Bubba Wallace is yelling at you. You're like, leave me alone, Bubba. God. Well, it's like it, you you could see them. You could I don't know. Maybe this is thinking too far ahead, but you could see them being in a room, like saying, "Okay, okay, we want to make a NASCAR game not boring." Where, like, spoiler alert: all these kids just turn and drive the car the other way, which was also sick, and just smash head on into <laughs> all these cars. So you're like, we need to make it like good. How do we do that? Yeah. And it's like, and and if you if you truly like had a good sort of like real think about it that is how you do it like you you try to incorporate as many of like the real life implications of of being a driver into the game as possible and that includes like the teammate thing is so important too because like i know mike you probably want to talk about this because you've clearly done your, you know, you've <laughs> done your research just like me so, uh what i want to talk about specifically was the like the concept of joining teams mm. and like how intuitive that was once you go up the ranks you can actually like form your own team like get your own sponsors and like sign drivers to your own squad which was also helpful if you like knew like you obviously like want to have good drivers on your team that are going to be consistently at the top that are going to help you and like i don't know i thought that was really interesting a concept as well because i think you could switch if i'm not mistaken you could switch teams and still some guys would hate you like even if you were on their team so it was kind of fun like off season you're like oh yeah sorry bubba like i just completely destroyed you and like shattered your leg at Daytona <laughs> on the final lap last year. I hope we could be bugged. That concept was really interesting, and it really did. It kept going and going and going, right, as long as you wanted to play the game. There's a huge business aspect of the game, and that's kind of what you're talking about there, Marty. It was the fact that you can yeah, get uh, get better teammates, uh, grow your, your team, grow your sponsors, and you basically, if you get big enough, you can have drivers drive under your brand. And uh, you mm. get a cut of their winnings. So there's like a whole monetary thing that in this game that goes like really, really in depth. Uh, and again, that's just another thing that reminded me of NHL Dynasty mode in, in 04 and 05. And the same thing True. where it just went super in depth. And as a kid, like I, th I would have loved this. I would have gone probably too far <laughs> in creating like the <laughs> ultimate uh, NASCAR team with my own Canada Dry brand and uh, <laughs> getting it cut out. Of I would that. have been right beside you with my player cigarettes. It would have been great. <laughs> Us ten year olds just crushing it. And then there's all like the other thing that I mean. Obviously, I I played this career mode quite a bit, but you could end up actually like climbing the ladder too quickly. Like for mm -hmm. example, I believe you'd be able to jump if not directly into the second tier. So you're starting the fourth tier. You're able to go up two, I think, like out of the gate. Um, 
but if you go too early, you end up with like a really crappy team and your car sucks and you're like and your 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 crew sucks. So you end up like actually being kind of like at a bit of a disadvantage. So it's like it's up to you whether or not you're like, oh, I'll stick it in the truck series for one more year and then like you finish first a couple of times and you get a really good deal on the next one. You know, like it was all it was really interesting how all of that sort of played in. I think, yeah, like you like you touched on Mike, how come all the games at EA Sports this year were really good? They were all really good. All of them. Yeah. <laughs> Nuts. One thing, one thing that I wish that they kind of added, and maybe they did do this in future games or even in these ones, I just didn't see enough of it. Could have been like a cool Easter egg, almost like what they did in Wave Race Blue Storm, how there, you, every NASCAR driver, as you know, has like a team manager, basically. The guy who you can hear talking to you through the headset while you're racing. Uh, in most of these games, when I was watching gameplay, like it was, it was somewhat generic. Like they're just telling you who's who's c- coming up, you know, who's closing in on you, who's making a turn, what to do next, uh, come on in for a tire change or whatever it is that they're telling you to do. I kind of wish that they had like a an Easter egg thing or a way to unlock or just how your career is progressing. I wish that the team manager had different personalities to him or you could pick your team manager's personality. Like I would have loved a team manager who like clearly hates his job or like (laughs) hates you or is like just super sarcastic about you or just doesn't want you on the team or like has different accents. Like that would be cool. Yeah. Like if with EA, Nintendo had a really good relationship with EA in this era, like it would have been really cool if like Mario was your team manager or something (laughs) like that. Like I I think that they could have had a lot of fun with that voice that for the most part, I just kind of wanted to turn off. Like I would have loved it if he actually, had like trashy things to say about you or the other drivers it would have been hilarious do you think i could take a stab at doing mario as a, as a pit guy <laughs> go for it let's go let's go <laughs> <laughs> on your right that wasn't very good i just wanted to I can see to- yeah woohoo toad, i could see oh. toad better as the uh toad would be the, like, oh, the pit stop manager oh no dude <laughs> You just rip all the sounds from cart. Like when yeah. I'm like when I'm playing as Luigi and I pass someone and I say Inyo, I know it's good. Like just tell me Inyo when I'm driving. I'll be like, okay, I gotta keep doing that. Yeah, we really need NASCAR for Nintendo. They need to to make that happen. Stock car racing in Nintendo. Um, uh, one thing about all three of these games, the graphics are really well done. I must say, uh, all the two EA games have excellent dam- damage models. They're really really convincing. Uh, obviously, that's the main reason I play the game is to smash cars as hard as I can. Yeah, done. Log it in. <laughs> and smashing the NASCAR uh, stock cars, like, oh, man, like, they uh, they go up in flames if you get them right. If you, um, especially if you do what I do and you turn around and try and hit the uh, the lead car. <laughs> oh, man, <laughs> it's Remember when you, like, would have to, like, physically save replays? in sports games like there'd be like you're like oh i need to definitely (laughs) save this the one that i played with my cousin was like i remember i think it was maybe the game before this it was on pc and we just we hit the lead car in such a way that it like went over the fence and like into like nothing and you just see it like jittering behind and like nothingness and we're just like okay let's that sweet we have to save that one and obviously like we sat on the computer for four hours just driving the opposite way trying to like hurt somebody (laughs) the most fun and and with graphics again uh 43 cars on the field at once with uh, complete sponsors, decals, yeah. the damage uh, models as well. That's pretty impressive for this time to 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 push it out that uh, that well. Totally. And licensed music too. NASCAR Chase the Cup yep. had uh, hit bands like Saliva and Papa Roach and NASCAR Thunder 2003 had Stephen Wolf, Phoenix TX, who could forget their one hit. Yeah, Phoenix, Texas. <laughs> yeah. I only remember one song by them, but uh, Katie I think is the song. Uh, what was the what was the Phoenix TX song? The one featuring Mark Hoppus in the music video. What the hell was really? it? Really? Okay. Well, I'm just not, no, no, no. I mean, 
guys, guys, you're missing it. The Papa Roach song on this soundtrack is so good. It was from it was from which one is it's it? It's from the P Roach album with uh, with scars on it. It was so so good. Oh. I think it was meant to be their like big follow up because it's I noticed it's second on the album. Like obviously this is the one after the the big song that no one needs to say the name of right now. Um, <laughs> that I definitely can remember. Last resort. Oh, break stuff. Oh uh, yeah, sorry yeah. Break stuff. <laughs> and it was like I don't know. It was, it was a good it was a good song. A lot of other just real nice dirt rock on this one as well. Just loving <laughs> yeah. it. Just like it's good stuff. actually they like a, actually a classic. I think I had like NASCAR 08 or something. They had Airborne on it. If anyone remembers that band Airborne. Oh wow! Oh yeah, they were like they played in Toronto a few weeks ago. I think <laughs> did they really? Did you note. go? Did you go? No, no. It was just fun to hear like a band like obviously like Greta Van Fleet made it cool, but you're like this is a band that's trying to act like it's the '80s, and no one wants that. Mike and I both associate Airborne with friend of the show Dan Kerr because he wore the same yeah. Airborne T-shirt like three days a week, every week <laughs> oh, from grade nine to grade twelve. Yeah, that's that's yeah. the first thing I thought of when you said Airborne was Dan. Yeah, yeah, he wore that shirt. I I I'm sure he does not listen to Airborne now, and he did not go to that show. But uh, but still, no. will he be listening? <laughs> I did. I hope so. Maybe. What about the customization in these games, Marty? For in terms of the like creating your car and everything, what uh, did you did you spend hours on that like I did? I mean, yes, because it was. I liked how you could just create your own car and then just immediately drive it. Like you didn't have yeah. to worry about like you could do that in like the play now mode or whatever, which was sweet. And then the I think you had to unlock like a lot of the sponsors. If if a lot of the sponsors were very funny, um, they were just like r- weird like orange like companies oh, yeah. and stuff, and just like various like assorted like logos and stuff. It was great, but like yeah, I remember. I remember just specifically jumping in and trying to make okay, I'm trying to make the most lime green car I can and then just like race it. And yeah, that was that was that was definitely very cool. And then I'm Did not you sure design we... your own logos in these games? No, no but they would no, give you so. uh, funny enough. So, uh there's a, a bunch of logos in this game that couldn't be shown. Uh specifically right. things mm-hmm. like Bush because there was the Bush series that they had to rename the National series because I looked up that if they had any alcohol um like logos or anything like that, it's actually technically an M rating when you put any alcohol or cigarettes uh, uh, advertisement right. in the game. So they had to keep those out. Although the announcer still calls it the Bush series when, when he talks. So that's a little bit of a, a oops right there. But yeah, like and the Winston Cup too. Like that's sponsored by Winston Tobacco. They had to take out the cigarette <laughs> logo on everything, which is awesome. And even some of the drivers' cars, like uh, Mark Martin, he he specifically drives a Viagra sponsored car, and they had to change that to oh. Pfizer uh, just to just to. Yeah, uh, I love that. Yeah, <laughs> that's age. Yeah, <laughs> really. Eh? That's why I was asking if you could create your own logo because it'd be funny if you could just like you know we can't have the Viagra logo in this game, but but you can make it. You can just make well, it. they kind of make them look like them now. Yeah. That's funny. So like they, I think. Um, not the Pfizer one, but one of the other uh, cars that has a, either an alcohol or cigarette logo. They they basically put it as the the driver's name, and it makes it look like like oh. the, the Bush logo. It's kind of funny. Mm. It's like obviously the Bush logo, but it's just like their name inside it instead. <laughs> I forgot Mark Martin was sponsored by Viagra. I always remember it was like Valvoline or whatever back. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. He was so good. He finished. If, if people don't know who Mark Martin is, look up his sports career. Perhaps the most pathetic thing of all time. He finished second. Like he finished second in like the forty plus team, like uh, like NASCAR top flight. Like I think five or six times, and most most of which was against Dale Earnhardt Senior. Just like constantly second. Like it's so brutal. I don't think he ever won either. So good. If you're not first, you're last. I, I think he said in an interview that the Viagra sponsorship deal was uh, too hard to turn down. If you know what I mean. Ooh. 
Got him. A uh, fun fact with in terms of cover athletes too, and uh, and people on the cover of these games. Uh, Jerry Mayfield was originally going to be on the cover of uh, Chase for the Cup, uh, but he switched to the last second and went with uh, Kevin Harvick. Uh, and so, out of spite, mm. Mayfield asked to be removed from the game, so you cannot no. play as Jerry Mayfield in uh, Chase for what the a Cup. Diva. What? <laughs> I mean, Jerry Mayfield. Jerry, he wasn't like a very big racer either. I don't think he really did anything. Harvick ended up having a good career after that. I think he was pretty young. Yeah, yeah. So I, that's maybe they they want to to go go for the youth on that one for the the cover. But yeah, I love that. Just like, oh, what? I'm not gonna be on the cover. Well, I'm not gonna be in the game. <laughs> Put me so, in as Jim Dowd. Yeah, very Jim Dowd energy. <laughs> love Why it. would you have like such an ego that like you're not on the cover of a NASCAR game that's gonna sell yeah, maybe six figures and like who cares really like if you're in the game that should be a big enough deal for i I know that some of these guys make big money and stuff so it's like they can say no to deals like that but come on anyways yeah um marty anything else about these nascar games that you really want to you really want to talk about for for this because i'm I'm curious what else you got nothing really to be honest i mean nascar is such a like a very like a niche and potentially bad sport i mean i like i i like i I kind of i don't know I, I'm not. I'm not in that. Just for the record, immediately getting out there, I am not part of that. I think NASCAR is cool as hell. But it was like it's just good to have like a game like this where like it allows people to at least like get a good get a good feel for it. And also, you know, you're allowed to you know like like you. I think one of you people said you're like doing a hundred hundred laps of the track or whatever. Guess what? You can like you can only do like six or seven 12. or whatever, right? Or twelve. And you're like I don't know. Like yeah. it, they did they made it more palatable. And I think at a time that was like yes. very impactful, especially for uh, for Buddy who did that like epic move uh, earlier. I know the viral moment you guys talked about it, but that was. Uh, I mean, it was just good yeah, for kids so like good. him, right? He, he got it. He got yeah. into it obviously, and in, in, in a way to the races, right? No pun intended. The GameCube literally influenced that uh, that race, so that's what I'm really happy about today, more than anything, is that uh, and the fact that he did it right before we're talking about the NASCAR uh, games on this podcast too. We didn't time it somehow, no. which is really pretty, uh, he he knew, yeah, yeah, he uh, he had a feeling. I'm pretty sure it just happened that way. It should that'd be awesome if Nintendo goes out and like sponsors him for a little bit, puts him on the cover of NASCAR 23 <laughs> or whatever, like on Switch. That'd be great. Uh, are I I both of you, either of you familiar with Martinsville Speedway, where he did it, like where he did that move? No. No, no, no. Tell, so tell, it's talk, like, talk it's a, it's a, ve- it's like, I think it's a, whatever the, like the, I think it's like a half mile or something. Like it's a really, really short track, but it's like notoriously just, and it also I remember playing in video games, I would always skip this race as much as I could because it was such a brutal like turn. Like it's literally like a 180 degree turn, like as tight as possible. And then you just go back to the other thing. So it's so funny that this, probably this seven-year-old was like this track is dumb i'm just gonna try this like rather than actually race it is just so incredibly funny to me i don't know like martinsville especially for the people that like racing they would totally understand why you would just try to like go for gold on it very brutal track very brutal track that's awesome Thank you uh, again. Thank you, GameCube, for for teaching us all that Martinsville is a be- brutal track. So just play it like a video <laughs> game. Like, yeah, just drive as fast as you possibly can and to the outside all the way. And if you want to really win, turn your car around and smash it <laughs> as hard as you can into whoever's first and just keep doing the rinse and repeat and you'll eventually be first. That's how I would win. Yeah, I feel like that never worked, sadly. <laughs> no. 
Well, Marty, it's been a pleasure having you on, of course, as always, to talk about some NASCAR games today. Uh, we always have a good time when you come on. And uh, yeah, we hope to get to see you again real soon. Perfect. Sounds good. I hope everyone who listens to GameCube is cool does not hate me. Hard to say, though. <laughs> we don't know how many NASCAR fans we have, so uh, we'll find out after this episode goes up. Oh, they hated, they hated me before the NASCAR episode, for sure. Which is- <laughs> <laughs> There's some Marty lovers out there. It's okay. All right. See you guys. Later, buddy. What a nice young man. What a nice young man. Thank you very much, Marty, for coming on. As always, he uh, had a lot more knowledge about NASCAR than I did, so I wanted to make sure that he came on for this episode, talk about his childhood, playing these games, and just the uh, the knowledge of, of the world of NASCAR, because it is a fun thing. It is, and the games are, are pretty cool. Like you said, Mike, Like the games all look really good. Like Graphic-wise, with a car game, for the most part, car games, we've talked about this with Need for Speed and Burnout, Like they are kind of like the... Uh, they're like the showcase for what a console can do in terms of power with the lighting effects and and uh, just cars with colors and like I said lights and windows and glass and everything like if a if a console can run a racing game well it's a sign of its power there were a few that didn't look quite great I think the NASCAR dirt for Daytona was the one that looked a little bit bland uh, but the EA ones were looking really good and like we said these games are all really solid games to go back to even in 2022 like uh, r- that's the good thing about racing games in general is that for the most part Unless it's unless it's a 2D racing game, they age pretty well, and uh, these games are good examples of that. But we have a couple of wacky games to talk about now, <laughs> some wacky racing games that might not have aged quite as well, but they're still going to be really fun to talk about. So uh, why don't we start with the first wacky game of the day? That sounds good, Neil, but before we do, we'd like to welcome our second caller for the day. One of our favorite guests to have on the show, of course, uh, the racing expert himself, Ali, is gracing us with his presence today. And we want to ask Ali, our first question would be, uh, if you had a big rig, what would be the cargo in said trailer? Hmm, that's a, that's a good question. I did not prepare for this, so if I, <laughs> if I actually think about it, I it won't be live animals, that's for sure. I can't do that, like <laughs> sure. sending them to their death, you know. Even though I eat them, it's just like mentally I can't distance myself from that. <laughs> I feel that, yep, yep. Uh, with me, it probably would be something tech-related, like graphic cards. But if they were graphic cards, you, who knows? Maybe they just vanished one day and so did the truck and they're all on the black market now. I don't know. Nice. Uh, it would be graphic cards. I, I like that. You know, you can skim a couple graphic cards off the top. Exactly. Who's going to know? Who's, Who's going to see the, the GTX 2080 missing? I was like, oh, I'm not going to see it. <laughs> Beautiful. Beautiful. What are your answers to that? Good question. Yeah, back back of the truck, Neil's Neil's van driving down Highway 95. What's in the back of that truck? Gotta be something to do with something to do with. I feel like I've said I see we talked about this with NASCAR with Marty, and I said like peanut butter and and Oreos. So it's gotta be. I have stolen an 18 wheeler Oreo Cakesters truck, and I'm just barreling <laughs> towards the Canadian border so that I can bring the Cakesters up to Canada. Finally, this is this is I will not stop until Cakesters are in the Great White North. What about you, Mike? Oh, that's a great answer. Damn it. I like that one. <laughs> um, uh, Neil with the stolen counterfeit, maybe even counterfeit Oreos. Ooh. I like that. <laughs> For me personally, my drink of choice, one of my favorite drinks is Canada Dry Ginger Ale, Neil, as, as you know. Um, and I think I would just bring back an entire truck of, of Canada Dry Ginger Ales. Oh, and 
Uh, family size honeycomb cereal. Wait, okay. are you bringing it back to camp? Are you stealing the truck now, or are you just driving yeah, it? Like... No, I'm just driving it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, because, again, I'm just thinking of things I want to skim off the top of. You can't get ah. family size honeycomb cereal. It's very hard, and I also want Kraft unsweetened unsalted peanut butter. Uh, the blue craft, yeah. uh, which um, some of you might recognize, mm. very hard to get right now. And I feel like I need to be the driver of the truck of all that craft peanut I, butter. I like how the hard to find peanut butter. You think a truck full of it is easier to find? That's good. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, but I, I I'm, I'm uh, a craft. Yeah, I'm ah, skimming off the I top. See, you I know, see, Kraft told me to drive the truck. Okay. For some reason, the the, the truck is full of other non-craft related products. But you know, hmm. that's that's just your lucky day. I mean, I think as far as I know, there there can be very much different products in the trucks, right? Oh yeah, of course. Yeah. A truck oh, is sure. a truck is very rarely one thing on it. Yeah. That's actually almost completely uncommon. But we we're talking about trucks and big rigs today because we have a couple of truck driving simulation games to talk about with you today, Ali. The first one being eighteen wheeler American Pro Trucker, released on February eighteenth, two thousand and two, developed by Sega AM two, published by Acclaim. It's also on Dreamcast, PS two, and the arcade. Rates a five out of ten. Priced today at around fifteen dollars. This is a truck racing game. And guys, I gotta give a big shout out here. This game was brought to you by Denny's Holiday Inn and Texaco. Those That's three correct. brands are all over this game, and they That's even got correct. a special shout out in the credits. It's terrific. <laughs> You'd love to see that. Thanks. Mm. That's the most American game I can think of in that <laughs> sense. Uh, I know Ali has played this game. I have also played this game. I bought it. If you can uh, imagine, Neil, I bought what? it for actually under the uh, under the the price point that you said there. I think I bought it for ten bucks. It was uh, at a game store in Kingston, Ontario. And uh, the guy kind of looked at me a little funny when I had it in my hand, but I was like, you know what? I want to I want to play this game. I want to talk about it. I want to experience the physical edition. There's not a lot going on, first of all, <laughs> in this game. It's basically just an arcade port <laughs> for all intents and purposes. There's even like the big continue screen after everything, too. It feels like they literally just ported it. They did. To the GameCube. Yeah, it's one uh, of the final arcade games to be ported uh, to the Dreamcast, mm. specifically after the Dreamcast's discontin- discontinuation and before Sega became a third-party developer. So this is one of the last Sega arcade home console ports, which is really interesting. Not a great last outing, but uh, it is kind of, it's really neat to see games like that because it really does feel like you're playing the big rig arcade game just without the uh, the truck that you're sitting in. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm glad you brought up are you start Neil started it with oh truck simulation because according to all the you know promotional material I saw for this game and the name American Pro Trucker right the subtitle mm-hmm. I fully thought going into it that this is a truck simulator not this crazy <laughs> arcade racing game uh, so I think they definitely missed the mark on marketing there at least uh, but we can get into the gameplay in a bit if you guys want Oh, I was going to say we can get into it right now because uh, so we can talk about just the arcade mode in general. There's a lot of modes in this game. There's the arcade mode. There's the parking mode, (laughs) which is literally literally parking, (laughs) parking a truck. (laughs) Yeah. The the great part about the arcade mode is if you uh, beat your opponent in the stages, you get to do the parking stage, which is basically the parking mode. <laughs> and they're just like, yeah, let's just make a parking mode as well on here. Why not? Why not? There's there's a score attack, there's versus, and then, of course, uh, there are uh, four different trucks, at least the ones that I, I think you can probably unlock more. I clearly did not get far enough to unlock more, but four different trucks, Asphalt, Cowboy. Did you know Asphalt, there's no 
H after the S. I literally learned that today, and I feel really dumb about myself. Do you, do you call it uh, asphalt or asphalt? Yeah, it's, I call it asphalt. It's asphalt. I yeah. know, but I always say asphalt. That's why you think there's no H after the S. <laughs> I know. Me and Neil I, are <laughs> sitting here like, yeah, of course there isn't, you idiot. <laughs> I feel like that that's like a thing that schools did. Like they didn't want kids running around going, we're on the asphalt today. Uh, so they made us say asphalt. It's definitely, that's definitely got to be a school thing. Like playing on sense. the asphalt. Like that's the only thing I can think of. I feel like definitely a British thing too, because mm. I can't see a British kid saying asphalt. It's just yeah. like. Their, their accent wouldn't allow for it. You just would naturally say asphalt. Yeah, the British invented the language and they can't do it right. No, <laughs> yeah. this is true. There's also a highway cat, longhorn, and streamline. And basically when you pick your trucks, uh, especially in the versus mode, you can also pick what you're hauling. Uh, so in Neil's case, he's hauling Oreo Cakesters. Right. Uh, and so it depend depending on what you're hauling, that changes the weight of uh, the trailer. So that changes uh, how you'll actually be able to maneuver. And it's also kind of weighted in terms of m- like how much money each one is worth and if you damage the trailer obviously you lose some money on your uh on your way back think of it a little bit like crazy taxi in that sense the the more yeah. you it also slows you down the heavier yeah. things which makes it harder to beat the stage exactly yeah and uh so that's why you want the order cakester is very light you'll <laughs> you'll be able to go very that's very right. fast but yeah uh ali what were your what were your thoughts on the gameplay for uh just the the game in general i think for 10 bucks it is definitely worth it. Yeah. I don't see it being a full-fledged game worth like the MSRP back in the day, like 60 bucks, right? But for 10 bucks, this is a fun little arcade game in my opinion. I can see myself coming back to it time to time. Um, the voice acting is really cheesy and all over yes. the top, which I like. But there's yeah. that like, you know, you pass your rival and he's yelling in full blast. Get out of my way, green and you're just like all right all right this is pretty intense that is fair um so it's beautiful in that sense uh it's chaotic it's fun um i kind of thought like sega so i automatically started thinking outrun Mm -hmm. but with trucks (laughs) fair yeah Uh, basically yeah the one thing i do like quite a lot in this one is um the camera it's quite lenient and this is important because for one of the games, the camera is absolutely atrocious, but in this one, the camera is quite lenient. Yeah. So when you turn, the camera slowly turns with you, and so just like right up the car's butt, turning as fast as possible. And one thing I enjoyed quite a lot um, was the set pieces. Like in one of the stages, there's just a tornado <laughs> screwing stuff yeah. up, throwing cars into the air, and you know knocking them over, and them becoming road hazards. So. <laughs> It's a lot of random fun events, but again, there's not too much to do other than that. No. No, it's it's just kind of like the small little bits and bits of charm that are in the game. Like you said, you have a rival lizard tail who's awesome. I actually kind of wish that they would make him like a GPS voice, like for Waze or something. Like they could partner with <laughs> Sega in some way and I would love him to be talking to me while I'm uh like while I'm driving. It kind of brings <laughs> me back to what we were talking about with Marty earlier with the NASCAR games, like having your uh, your race manager kind of talking to you, but not really, you know, they weren't really all that into it. I love lizard tail being like this guy who's just like talking smack to you the entire time really feels like there's some rivalry rivalry there. And yeah, it's very cheesy, the voice acting, but you mentioned the camera alley and, and the, I'm assuming you mean in the third, third car, third person mode or whatever yeah. you want to call yeah. it. Yeah. You can switch into first person mode or being in the, uh, in the driver's seat, which is really neat. I think that that's actually where the game kind of stands out for me is seeing, 
the hood of the the truck, being able to see like the things that are on the dashboard, like the magazines and sunglasses. It feels like you're in the arcade more in that sense. It does. Makes you feel yep. like that you're Spider-Man <laughs> driving a truck. It's really good. But just like seeing everything it like makes whipping you feel like the truck. <laughs> exactly. It's really cool. Like it, it's just missing the wheel that you're using when you're in the arcades. But it's. It, I think that that's actually the better way to play the game and then yeah like at the end of each stage you have to go park your truck which is just an awesome way to end the level and it, it always is like you have like a tight 90 degree turn that you have to do and you end up oh, taking yeah. out a street light which loses you a hundred hard it's actually <laughs> quite hard it's yeah. really hard it's really hard but it's really good and like the the environments like they're all fairly detailed at least the up close environments are as you start to look further out it looks really bland and un, under underdeveloped which is too bad, but it's definitely an arcade game that's like you're only supposed to be looking at very specific things, like the tornado ripping apart buildings. You're not meant to be looking at the the vast open fields in Kansas or New York or wherever it is yeah. that you're driving. Yeah, no, I mean, it's like, it, it's it's quite a good game in that sense. It is it is a lot of fun. Like, the characters are, are well-designed. The voice announcer, like Ali said, is great. Uh, it's... Uh, I, I do I I love the, the the rear view mirror actually in first person. I thought that was really yeah. cool because it is important because yeah. driving a truck you do need to see kind of what your trailer is doing, especially parking and things like that as well. So it was cool to see the mirror. I don't think I've ever seen a a, a, a mirror in a in a video game before in that sense. I think Need for Speed but, games did it, didn't they? They did. They did, but yeah. like I feel like I wasn't actually using it. You know what I mean? <laughs> no, oh, it was mainly true. just to see the yeah, cops. Yeah, it wasn't really yeah. to see your own. Yeah, vehicle. it wasn't like yeah. I, I like I wasn't actively using it. I was like, oh, cops are coming, but um, in hot pursuit. Right. I think um, because a lot of the promotional material was in the first person view, uh, that's also why my head automatically went to, oh, this is a same. Yeah, no, of course. And. Yeah. Again, I think it would have sold a lot better if they stepped away from, you know, the naming convention and calling, you know, promoting it like a simulator because it's way more of a fun game when you're thinking Sega outrun yeah. with trucks. It's also just a horrible cover. Just just just, yeah. <laughs> just atrocious. It really turns you Probably. off. It, it took a lot of uh, a lot of will it's, to buy this game after seeing the cover. I was like, "Oh my god!" <laughs> yeah, it's it's a dog water cover. That's... It doesn't look good in stretched out like that uh, because, of course, it was for the Dreamcast, so they made it square. So they had to kind of stretch it out for the GameCube. the 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 font for eighteen wheeler is just so gross. And then American Pro Trucker underneath <laughs> is just this weird ass <laughs> gradient that's supposed to make it like a chrome bumper, but you can't even read it because it looks terrible. Uh, it, which is too bad because it could have like been a cool burnout style cover, uh, but instead it was uh, yep. it was that. But it was pleasantly surprising that it was a good game. That's what I want to say about the eighteen wheeler. That's yeah, no, game. that's fair. It was yeah. pleasantly surprising. I I I got my value for my ten dollars. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, absolutely. Ten dollars is a great price to pay for a an arcade game that doesn't have a ton of replayability. More just something fun to play with some beers on a on a Friday yeah. night. But uh, we mentioned the box art looking ugly, and I gotta <laughs> say the box art does not get any better with this next game, and that is with Big Mother Truckers. It should have been Big Big Mother Truckas, but I I digress. It was released on August sixteenth, two thousand and three. Developed by Utechnics, I think I'm saying that right. Utechnics and Raylight. Published by THQ. It's also on PS2, Xbox, Windows, Game Boy Advance, and the DS. Rates a six out of ten. Priced today at around twenty two dollars. And this is a truck racing game. Now. 
U Technics uh, was formerly known as Merit Studios, which was formerly known as Zeppelin Games. They've renamed mm-hmm. themselves several times. These guys made a lot of racing games uh, since they started in 1988, and their most recent game was 2015, and that was a NASCAR game. And the early 2000s up until 2015, they released like 30 racing games or so from all different types of genres. So this is another one of these uh, these truck-style simulation racing games. So, Ali, what is your experience playing uh, Big Mother Truckers? So this one might have been the most surprising sleeper hit in the entire episode. Not Like, not even kidding. Uh, it almost feels like a full-fledged game. There's voice acting. <laughs> Which is the voice acting? Yeah, <laughs> almost feels like a game. The voice, almost. The voice acting is all right. Um, it actually has decent graphics for the time. Uh, a unique art direction, though some might not like the art direction. Um, it's very character. Uh, what's the word? Not character. Caricature. Car- caricature. Yeah, yeah kind of style. Yeah, I know what you're caricature. saying. Caricature. Yeah. 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 Um, but I thought it was kind of cool. The game has you choose a character and you play through their story. I didn't notice anyone's storyline changing, but depending on the character you pick, um, the dialogue changes when you interact with NPCs. And the dialogue is fully voiced as well, which is cool. Mm -hmm. The game has a good amount of radio channels, a first on like this entire series. Uh, like the series that we're talking about today basically the music is really good we got you know obviously rock um but we also have some random like european future music you know what i'm talking about the music we thought future sounds would sound like right uh the crazy part is the radio stations have their own djs as well that are voice yeah um, I found some of the songs through Shazam, and they're now in my playlist actually because they're kind of <laughs> there were some good ones, especially for Space One Hundred Eight. Um, there's even one station that's just talk shows, kind of how there's always that one station in GTA games that's just funny talk shows. Um, I tuned in to that one as well, and there was some pretty funny stuff in there as well. Driving is fun. There's a lot of tongue-in-cheek Americana stuff in there. So if you want to relive, like, you know what, the mid-2000s thought of just general Americana on the southern side, this is not a bad way to do but uh, do it. Uh, there's also voice clips saying some ridiculous stuff, like when you uh, hit four <laughs> cars in a row, you get a Raging Redneck uh, award <laughs> given to you, which I think That's is, awesome. a, yeah, I think it's kind of fun. Um, there's two modes, trial by trucking, uh, which is the story mode and a mission mode. Um, I think if they combined the both together, it would have been a much stronger, uh, game because the monotony of the gameplay loop does get to you a little bit in the story mode. So if they had missions sprinkled in, in there, like, oh, break a couple of telephone poles, escape from the police, which is funny. If you hit a police car, nothing happens yet on the cover, if you've noticed, uh, you're running away from a police car. Just, <laughs> yeah, yeah you know. I know, right? Where, where's, where's, yeah. where's the chase? Where's the chase? Uh, the gameplay loose loop is also still pretty good. You go place to place on a map carrying cargo and selling it at waypoints, refueling, repairing, and upgrading. Talking to NPCs. You have 60 days uh, to reach like a money point so you can buy 
the business out from your mother. Um, you play as one of the children of the mothers. Big Ma Jackson is uh, <laughs> that's, that's right. the name. That's the name of the woman. Yeah. Um, the cool thing about this is also, depending on which city you're in, which day it is, and uh, other factors that I can't even figure out, the price of the cargo that you buy and the price of the cargo you sell will change. Talking to NPCs, they'll let you know which like city wants which cargo really desperately, meaning you can buy it from there and sell it at a cheap, uh, more expensive price. But it all some cities don't sell certain cargo. Um, like, you know, you have to go to the shipyard to buy fish, for example. Of course, that makes logical sense. So there's a lot of like mechanics that you have to think about, a lot of different systems in the game. Um, what's it called? It has nice views. It has different economy systems, good licensing music. You know, it, it, it's got some pretty good stuff. The craziest part about it, it runs on 60 FPS, which, you know, wow. a lot of GameCube games did, as, as we've talked about before. And mm-hmm. it's, um, a lot of racing That's games right. yeah. did. Which is nice to see because I think racing especially, you want to have in 60 FPS. It just exactly. it does make a huge difference. And yeah, I, I got to echo everything you said, Ali, uh, so far. Uh, it, this game is actually good. <laughs> yeah, it's not bad, <laughs> yeah. honestly. It's too bad that it's wrapped in this ugly looking, again, the box art. Like, it's just a terrible... And called Big it's Mother a, Truckers. And calling it Big <laughs> yeah. Mother Truckers. Yeah, this was before they started to take racing or truck, sim, truck driving sims seriously. I think it's a bit more of a... I want to say a serious genre now, but there are some diehard truck driving simulation fans out there. So yeah, it's a, big time. It's a bit more of an established genre now, but this is back when it wasn't. And like you said, Ali, like it captured that negative stereotype towards the Midwest, no doubt. <laughs> like the the treatment of the stereotypes of the Hick. Like it's straight up called Hick County is where the game takes place. Yep. Ma Jackson's kids are named Cletus Earl Rockus and Bobby Sue. Like it's <laughs> it's very very mean in terms of stereotypes. It was even a second game. They even made a second game, yes. Big Mother Truckers 2, which is amazing. Developed by uh, an Italian company, Raylight Studios, and it was even released for the Game Boy Advance and DS. So, yeah, it wasn't enough to become like a, an annualized franchise, but it, it had enough, it, it did, a, did well enough to uh, warrant a sequel. Even uh, 18 Wheeler had a, a sequel as well, The King of Route 66. So. Both of these games had had a little bit of uh, fanfare towards them, but I think that they were just a little bit too goofy, and uh, unfortunately, people stuck more towards the truck sim rather than the uh, the truck arcadiness, which is something that we would probably enjoy more. I I legitimately think it was just a marketing blunder, honestly. Like with both of these games, it, they make it they marketed it in a way where it seems like yeah, it's a little goofy, but also when you look at the promotional material, that is not videos. You're like, oh, this is a simulation game. So the people who like the arcadey nature are like turned off by it. That's my opinion on it. No, you're, I think you're definitely right to, to a degree there for sure. I mean, this game is definitely much more sim than the uh, than 18-wheeler. Uh, oh, definitely, it's, yeah. It's way less arcadey. There's actually a lot more precision to your controls. Uh, everything is a little more precise in that sense. And like you really have to pay attention a lot more. Like, you can easily just fail the missions I, I found it quite difficult in some aspects uh and but the the, the locales are, are really well done I, I do enjoy like the graphics are fine i think like you touched on it the biggest biggest thing with this is the radio and how much time and effort went into creating this like specialized radio for this game yeah and fitting that onto the gamecube as you've noticed like yes games yeah. many times skimped on just audio stuff especially songs 
because they just didn't have enough space and this game actually went out of its way to fit all that stuff in there. I don't know how they did it. I was really impressed, especially because, you know, most of these, a lot of these bigger games have to use two discs for the GameCube. That was kind of what a lot of publishers didn't really want to do. So if they could find any way to just fit everything on one, they would. And they did here. And yeah, it's, I think the whole radio part of it and the talk show and the, the all the little things that are happening in the story that you see on screen, I think that's such a huge part of just like trucking, the, the trucking industry in general as well. And uh, because, you know, trucking is just hauling one thing to like, one thing to one place to another. Right. So right. Uh, they did a really good job of, of showcasing that life just a little bit with the radio. I thought that was really cool. And uh, I was extremely impressed because, you know, I mean, Neil, I love I love sleeping dogs mm-hmm. and the radio and that and yep. obviously the GTA yeah. ones. So, yeah, I was going to say GTA definitely was like the peak of this, especially in this era with GTA. I think three and Vice City were pretty well known for their radio stations i know some people just put those games on just to listen to the radio which is really cool but nowadays like in the 2020s people probably drive trucks more so listening to podcasts so i was actually just thinking if anybody's listening to this episode while driving a truck let (laughs) us know know. please write in let us know take a picture take a screenshot of i don't know do something let us know just just perhaps don't take a picture while driving (laughs) i'm just Maybe not so much, but uh, still, it'd be neat to know if our if our voices are coming through an eighteen wheeler radio right now. That'd be really cool. That's my that's that'd my be dream. freaking awesome. Yeah, man. But yeah, the radio station was awesome. One last thing I want to say, which is completely random mm-hmm. about this, the UI design was really cool in the menus. I don't know why it felt super futuristic and yet old school at the same time yeah, to me i a thousand percent agree with that i'm really happy that you brought that up the the ui just in general in this game is actually really really well designed well designed quick and snappy yes and i found I th- even like the logo big mother truckers like on the 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 loading screen is quite nicely done and i just imagine as a des- designer myself i just imagine getting this client brief and being like okay the game's name is Big Mother Truckers, and you're like, "Oh my god, <laughs> what?" And then, you, but then you oh, see no. the game, and you're like, "Oh wait, this game's actually kind of good." <laughs> like they just chose a terrible name. All right, let me actually like make some nice UI for it, and uh, they like it's a good example of uh, a game excelling with really nice UI, nice HUD, everything's quite clean, uh, quite modern, honestly. In fact, where eighteen wheeler, yeah. the HUD is just like so much it's takes up like 50 percent of the screen uh it's it's very dated that's like clearly coming from like a 2002 arcade uh so i i was i was impressed with um big mother truckers in that yep. sense just a, just an impressive little package um radio and let's not forget on top of the radio every npc being voiced and having unique dialogue it's just how did they fit all this it just still boggles my mind Nice job, THQ, for giving them some money, I guess. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> coming, good stuff. Coming off of all those SpongeBob games and yeah. getting some money from that. Pumping money into Passion Project, like Big Mother Truckers. What a great game. But we got to move on to a, a different form of racing or a different form of vehicle games, and that is American Chopper Full Throttle, released on November 29th, 2005, developed by Create Studios, published by Activision. This game is also on PS2 and Xbox. Rates again, 6 out of 10. Price today at another $10, and this is a motorcycle racing game, and it's a sequel to uh, the duology of games, I guess. The first game was called American Shopper, and that's by Activision Value and released for the PS2, PC, and Xbox in 2004, about a year before. So this was the only American Shopper game on the GameCube. Did you guys watch American Shopper, by the way? I feel like we need to get that out of the way first. Before we do, 
this is how little like we all cared about this game. <laughs> We're forgetting the subtitle American Chopper 2 Full Throttle. Ah, yes. Yes, that's true. Yes. But yeah, American Chopper, the series, um, that it was on Discovery. I remember it was on the Discovery Channel. That was the weird thing for me, the Discovery <laughs> Channel. It was, it was on like Luke. how History Channel had like American Pickers and stuff on it, right? It just was like... Yeah, it's something these... on there. <laughs> yeah, something on it. Uh, it was. Uh, I I never watched it, but I remembered it, and it was. It honestly, it felt like the same kind of like that redneck style, you know that 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 they kind of parody in uh, Big Mother Truckers. It felt basically like that, but uh, as a series with like a reality TV show uh, with motorcycles. And yeah. yeah, I I never watched it, but I like I knew people who did. I knew people who were big American. Uh, Chopper fans. Uh, I think it went the original series two thousand three or two thousand two to two thousand ten. Uh, yep. They have some spinoffs and revivals that have come out since then, but uh, that was kind of the the main series in that uh, in that time. And yeah, they released this video game. I think uh, for me, I watched some episodes here and there, um, like around MythBusters, just because I'm like, okay, yeah. in the background, I'll put it on while I do something else. Um, just like you know. Uh, trash reality TV, basically. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Couldn't have said it better myself for sure. I do. I did not watch the show. I have no recollection of it. I wasn't a huge Discovery Channel. Or we weren't a huge Discovery Channel family, I guess. Shark Week, yeah. other than Shark Week, that was basically it. Or like maybe I guess Steve <laughs> Irwin was on after Steve Irwin died. That was it for me. I didn't watch Discovery That's Channel fair. anymore. The Crocodile Hunter after he was gone, that was it for me. It was MythBusters. That was my big thing. That was a big deal. That show was a big deal, definitely. I never watched it, but uh, I watched I watched it when I got on YouTube. I remember that was one of the first like things that I would watch on YouTube was MythBuster stuff. But no, I remember specifically seeing these guys on posters at certain things or on T-shirts. But no, I, I never watched uh, American Chopper at all. But I feel like I kind of did after uh, checking out this game because the cutscenes feel like that they just took clips from the show and used it for <laughs> yeah, the voice I acting. I don't know what was going they, on. They and then did. sometimes when yep. they did need lines for the game, it was like very slow and like condensed and just like the characters had no energy to yep. them. And then it would switch back to like clearly a clip from the show. With, <laughs> with the audio compression from the clips too. Remember that? Yeah. I know. <laughs> yeah. It was kind of gross hearing it sometimes. But yeah, this um, personally for me, I did not like this game. <laughs> I I uh, I found it very difficult to control. I don't know about you, Allie. Yep. Uh, it was very, <laughs> it was very, very sensitive. Like you do one little move, and you're like, "Oh my god, I'm leaning all the way over." Uh, I love that they're just driving around without helmets. That's cool. That's uh, glad to show the <laughs> glad to show the kids that this is what you should be doing: going 85 miles an hour <laughs> without a helmet on a busy road on the other side of the road. So that was cool. See, um, it, it will ruin their brand image if they, you know, <laughs> do. Yeah, I, I know. <laughs> um, but yeah, the game itself, it just it, it's a strange game. Like it's in my mind, it's strange that it got made. But I mean, I guess. This was the era, as we've said many times on this podcast before, this was the era of literally every TV show and movie getting some kind of game associated with it. That's right. Peak shovelware. Peak. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Certainly peak shovelware. But I want to know your thoughts about this, Allie. All right. So it'll it'll take me longer to explain everything wrong with this game than it would to say anything good. So let's start with the good. There is a lot of customization. So there's at least that. Uh, Although... It has horrible UI that makes you want to not even bother with it. 
like i don't know if you guys ever played this but there was a pimp my ride game around this era on the what's it called this generation of consoles as well that makes sense (laughs) (laughs) and it was a lot better than this game all right so let's just say that the city layout wants to be realistic but it's some sort of alternative reality city design where roads don't make sense at all Uh, it's all (laughs) jarring and boring where like you know the cities connect like there's a downtown core that two turns later turns into like a suburban forest almost it's so (laughs) weird two things i'll give it i guess is uh the driving camera is good and it isn't stuck on the back of the vehicle right it has some lean to it so that's good and the music tracks don't infinitely loop but actually change through the race and missions even if they sound really generic uh drive like driving is not fun the map is designed by a child uh i think you know the actual voice actors are voicing it like neil pointed out uh but it's just horrible <laughs> um yeah you know, I, didn't, I didn't need the original voice actors to be in this game to sell no. me on it that's the thing like they could have gotten anybody they could have gotten the guy playing uh big lizard from uh, 18 wheeler to or lizard tail to uh to do that he would have he would have done a better job i like big lizard better <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you, know, you know what i would big lizard you know what i would love for this like th- it's completely ridiculous I would just love if they hired Japanese voice actors and subtitled it <laughs> and they the voice actors gave it their best like you know that's amazing hardest, hardest anime, anime lines. that they could possibly do <laughs> yeah, that, that would, would make this so game good uh, it'd be amazing right they 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 definitely took themselves too seriously making this game like they tried to make it really tight and in the end they just made a slow racing game like you're moving at 82 miles an hour like mike said you're going whatever it is 100 miles an hour and you don't feel like you're moving at no. all like you barely feel like you're moving the there's no sense of speed in this game like we've seen in other games the none of the environments are very well designed like even the bikes don't even look that interesting which is too bad some of the some of like the trees and buildings are 2d like they straight up look like they're just jpegs floating in the world and i don't i don't know i think calling it racing is a bit of a stretch here um because the ai is pretty brain dead secondly there's a lot of different mission types they're all horrible i was emulating this game and I here's my PC specs. All right, let me just flex for just a second. All right, <laughs> just just 5800 X3D, the top of the line processor for gaming and emulation. Right, we have a RTX 3080. Right, one of the best graphic cards out there. 32 gigabytes, 3600 megahertz CL16, or it might be 14 RAM. Amazing stuff. I was getting 24 to 40 frames per second. Uh, complete jitter fest here. Uh, a frame rate cap should definitely have been in place, even if it was just 30 FPS. Yeah. Uh, it's just, damn, it's fucking weird, man. Like how it's so unoptimized to the point where it doesn't matter what system I have, it'll not run properly. I mean, I can tell that it didn't run properly on the GameCube originally either. Like, it just clearly wasn't a well-made game in that sense. And this is... It's a janky game. It's a janky game, but this is an Activision game. Like, it's not like this is some random publisher. Like, this is a a publisher who should have probably known better. Like, they were making the Tony Hawk games at this point too, right? Mm -hmm. So, like... I was going to say, like, parts of this game when you're starting it up felt like you were starting up a Tony Hawk Underground yeah, game. Yeah. Like, it, it did have that, like, for, like, five seconds, I was like, oh, it's going to be like Tony Hawk, and then it's, it's not. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> it's instantly not. 
honestly the crux of this game is that it probably didn't need to get made but no, it just was it and just was, it's yeah. it just it was the second one though I know. It was the first one <laughs> well unfortunately it wasn't on this uh, console no it was a uh, it was just uh, here's the other thing like this game doesn't do it and a lot of other games didn't either there's not any tutorials in these games for anything yeah is it space constraints or is it more than that i i just don't know it's a lot of it's just time to develop those like uh if the developers have time they will create a tutorial mm-hmm. level if not they'll just assume they'll read the manual they'll check the instructions and then they'll oh, just yeah, figure I forget. it out there were manuals back then that's right yeah i forget that completely back then actually tutorials were really long like there's there's a lot of games that we played especially these tie-in games where the tutorial is like half the game oh (laughs) jrpgs dude that's yeah oh my god yeah yeah, 30 hours Uh, so it's it's interesting that you're right all three of these games so far really didn't have any kind of tutorial and and maybe this is a trend among racing games at this time to kind of just let you go in because the the way that you're racing is probably going to be pretty much the same for almost any racing game across the board but in this one specifically, there was one point where I, I truly did not know what this thing did. It was a blue bar at the bottom left, I think. Yeah. And it would fill up. And it would... I still don't know what it is. Yeah, I, I have no idea what it does. <laughs> There's no button I could press to use whatever it was filling up. It's just completely, like, ethereal to me. Unfortunately, we don't have an American Shopper 3, Neil. But uh, we do have some Namco games to talk about. We do. We have a couple of Namco racing games, starting with R Racing Evolution, released on December 9th, 2003, developed and published by Namco, also on PS2 and Xbox, rates a 7 out of 10, priced today at around $20. As you said, it's a racing game. It's basically a spinoff of Ridge Racer. And at the time, if you bought this game on GameCube at uh, EB Games, you were also handed a free copy of Pac-Man Versus. So Namco is really trying to just clear out warehouses at this point. (laughs) I got some Pac-Man games for you. But yeah, no, this is a pretty cool racing game. It features over 33 licensed cars from uh, various motorsports series, um, lots of different configurations, adjustable brakes and everything. You can adjust the car weight. So, Ali, how does this uh, how does this game rate rank in your uh, racing game rankings, I suppose? So, I, I do think 7 out of 10 is a little low, actually, for what it offers on the GameCube, at least, right? It was released for other consoles, too, so I can see why maybe over there, you know, it's not so much, but... It's it's not a bad it's it's a pretty good game I would say the only issue this is the one I was alluding to earlier the camera is just stuck up the car's ass like it's just yeah. glued on the second you turn even like slightly it just jerks into motion uh, turns with you and it's really jarring but thankfully after about like two three four races you can get used to it at least so there is that so once you're used to that you know horrible motion sickness feeling um then the game actually starts becoming quite fun it's a it has a story mode which has very cheesy voice acting and (laughs) very uh bodacious women just racing Um, that's that's a ridge racer thing that is just what it is uh and it's ridiculous too because uh that your main character is uh you know what's it called a emt who drives an ambulance and she's driving a the story begins with her driving to the hospital because one race car driver has you know is about to die basically and the coach for the driver is uh, says 20 minutes he will not live that much 
make a tent. It's first of all, my head instantly thought like, you're a racing coach. What the hell do you know about? Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> um, the second thing, she just cuts through everything, uh, makes illegal turns into alleyways. It's all the good stuff, right? It's just so cheesy, and the voice acting is cheesy. And I think they knew what they were doing. So you do want to kind of continue the story to see where it goes. Its driving mechanics are pretty good. It has a really fun feature where if you're behind someone trying to overtake them, a bar in front of them will fill up and the more like the higher the bar is, the more mistakes they will make basically. Yeah, the irritation meter, which is a really cool idea. And I have a feeling that's what American Shopper was going to do, but they just forgot. <laughs> um, <laughs> they're like, oh yeah, that's there. Oh well. No no they no no they they did that. But the irritation meter is actually on the player. Uh so they did that's accomplish true. it. <laughs> for spending money on that but yeah the ai drive differently to the point where they'll actually just go right off the road if they're too distracted which is amazing it's like the the game is well done in in a lot of senses ali you nailed it the camera i had a really hard time getting over that Mm -hmm. because you're right just the tiniest tiniest movement in that camera follows you which i hated uh the the i want to talk about the car models they are really beautiful oh yeah so you see these uh models throughout the game you'll see them in cutscenes you'll also see them when you uh obtain new cars and uh they are able to just make the 3d model look really really nice they got the shine on it make it look as realistic as possible for a 2003 game very very impressive to see especially on the gamecube at this time uh but we know that the gamecube could do shadows and lighting effects better than the other consoles so they really made it work here which was pretty cool and my big thing that I had to say uh, is the UI. We talked about the UI and some of the other games. This is one of the most modern UIs I've ever seen on the GameCube so far. It's uh, It uses flat design. And what I mean by that is just a design that doesn't have a ton of gradients or shadows or bevels or whatever else, which is what every uh, box art or UI had at this time. For the audience, just to figure out what flat design is... Um... This year is 2022. Look at any icon of any social media page. Yeah. That's what flat design is now. Exactly. That's a perfect... Exa- Thank you, Ali. <laughs> That's a no, perfect way to describe it. And this... They like... I, I think of the odometer specifically. The way that they showcase the odometer here is really clean and really nice and, and could easily be in the next uh, Gran Turismo, honestly. Uh, Speaking of which, I think that was the reason they had to up their game so hard. Yeah. Because you are competing with Gran Turismo. I right. mean, this this was a definitely a tough time to... Well, it's always a tough time to be a, a realistic sim racer in uh, the world where Forza and Gran Turismo exist because... They kind of have that model locked down, but we did see like a lot. We saw Auto Monalista, which we talked about way back when. That was a, mm-hmm. a similar. That's the first thing I thought of, Neil, when I saw this uh, game was Auto Monalista. Yeah. Similar kind of style, uh, very focused on uh, the aesthetic of the cars, the aesthetic of the races. Yeah. Uh, the The environments are beautiful. Like I, I was really kind of excited to go to each one and explore while I was driving around. Like there's one where you're driving through. I guess it's like Rome or Italy where you're driving through like old ruins, uh, like little houses. There's like the big bridge there. Uh, it was it was really impressive in a lot of ways. Like I I was really impressed by the graphical output of, of this game. Yep. Yeah, the, the levels themselves look cool. I like the comparison to Auto Modelista. That game was quite a bit more cel-shaded than this one, whereas uh, mm-hmm. this game is going slightly for more of a realistic look. But I like the fact that it's kind of marketed as a futuristic racing game and it's like a 
but it's like more like a realistic futuristic racing yeah. game. You know, like how like F Zero is also marketed as a futuristic racing game, but like cars are never going to be like that. But like in a hundred years, like cars will probably look something like this. Like they're just going to look like cars do now. Um, the characters all just look like they're a little bit, they're dressed differently and they kind of act differently. And this, this game is very much like an anime inspired game. Um, I know Ali referenced it earlier that the voice acting is a little bit cheesy and it is, but the, the cutscenes themselves are very well done. Graphically looks amazing for a cross platform game. They're very short. Like they're each like maybe 30 seconds and it's just a quick clip about what's going on in the story. And then back to another race. And then you have to race again to uh, find out what happens next, which is kind of cool. Um, I actually really like, I like the story and that had nothing to do with the big busty women. Um, nope. it was, it was a little bit too much though. It's a little distracting when that type of thing happens. It's, it's a bit much. Uh, it takes you out of it just a wee bit, but yeah. Um, the songs are good too. The only issue is that they do just repeat over and over again while you're playing the game. They, what's it called? Uh, the good thing about it though, is you get to choose whichever track you want before the race starts. So that's kind of cool. Um, audio design is good. And like you said, the car models were really nice for the time. A lot of different modes, a lot of different options. Like you can just map the keys to whatever you want. And you can even change how you accelerate in the game. You could use the C stick or you could use the triggers or you could use the face button. So I, I yes. like the amount of customiza- customization is really nice to see or F for this era of gaming especially on gamecube and 20 dollars price point and you can probably find it even lower like this is a, a very nice pickup for sure uh, and just an, an impressive game and yeah the fact that we've talked about games that are much worse than this that it go for way way more so it's uh, it's cool to see good game for 20 bucks a complete package on the gamecube for you know racing simulation fans full this is one of the rare games i actually wanted to play before even um we talked about the episode so i'm glad i finally got the chance and it did not disappoint yeah i honestly well we'll talk about it at the very end of the show but i honestly will be picking this up because it's <laughs> really good it's nice <laughs> yeah it looks it looks it does look good, and like I think I see this game quite a bit at ANC Games, our local game store. I think I just miss it because the box art is very generic. Like yeah. there's nothing really about it. It's uh, Rena on the top of the uh, on the front of the box there, standing in her racing suit in front of a nice yellow car. This logo that I've never seen before. The font is somewhat boring and unrecognizable. Like it's, I don't know. There's just nothing super fun about the front of this case. And if if you have to pick between this or Need for Speed, then then you're gonna go with Need for Speed. So yeah, the the marketing like all these games, the marketing really fell flat. And yeah, the box art very generic. Kind of looks like the Piano Three woman. I was gonna <laughs> say that. Yeah, <laughs> uh, on the front, like very Bayonetta esque as well. Uh, and it's just too bad because the models are so cool in this. They could have done a much better job showcasing it or just showcasing them actually racing, which would have been really cool. And also the the name, Our Racing Evolution, that does absolutely nothing for me. No. That is like one of the most boring names you could think of. It's a boring name, but uh, we have an exciting name for a, a racing game. <laughs> I think we should move on to the next Namco racing game of the day, which is Pac-Man World Rally, released on August 22nd, 2006. That's a late GameCube game. Developed by Smart Bomb Interactive, published by Namco. It's also on PS2, PSP, and Windows. There was an Xbox version that was canceled. 
rates a 5 out of 10, priced today at around $50. And this is a cartoon racing game based on the Pac-Man World Series that was beloved in the GameCube and PS2 generation. And this is technically the final installment in the Pac-Man World Series until about 16 years later when we got some resurgences of it. But uh, I had, I've had i seen this game around but never actually picked it up. 50 bucks seems pretty expensive for a kart racing game. But uh, Ali, you're the racing expert. Do you have any experience playing this game? Yes, um, you know, for this episode. Uh, <laughs> sure. What's it called? Did the homework. But the first thing I do want to say for this <laughs> this era, it's one of the rare games that has autosave. Oh, true. Crazy. Nice. Like that, that just stood that. out to me right away where autosave in this era? Okay, I'll, I'll take that, right? Yeah. <laughs> A 5 out of 10 is... Uh, I would say that's actually kind of unfair because... It it is way more than you know just a five out of ten in my opinion, so the gameplay is pretty solid for a kart racer. Um, there's some mechanics in there that I think even Mario Kart could probably use um, to make it just like still chance based, but at the same time add just a little bit more of a skill ceiling to it. Uh, for this game, the what they did or what they were able to do was. Um, they give you a bar on the bottom left mm -hmm. and you drift as you drift that bar fills up and once it has filled up it starts filling up again but each time it fills up you get one like invincibility shield basically so you know the better you drift basically the better you race the less chance you have of getting screwed over by you know the weapons or what like stage hazards you might have so I think that type of reward system is really good. One huge blunder, um, when you're racing, you can eat pellets, because it's a Pac-Man game, right? Um, and that fills up another bar, and then once it, that one's fully filled up, you can turn into a giant Pac-Man or giant version of that character, and all the other racing uh, or all the other carts become ghosts that you can eat. Yeah. <laughs> so that's, that's kind of cool fun. mechanic. I like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's neat. Only issue is um, the respawn for those pellets is really long. So whoever is first is getting those pellets, which kind of defeats the purpose of it. Because if you're first, you don't need to eat the people in front of you right. because you can't. <laughs> True. Right. So I think that that's a bit of a blunder. But honestly, I, I'm surprised it got such a low mark because the stages are plentiful. The stages are nice. The music for the stages is good, too. It's actually memorable, in my opinion. It's pretty like impressive. I, whenever I see games like this, I just think how impressive it is that Mario Kart basically single-handedly created an entire new genre. <laughs> because like this, uh, this game obviously takes a lot of cues from Mario Kart. It does some stuff better for sure and more interestingly. Uh, but it, no one can take that mantle from Mario Kart. Uh, games come and go, and they usually don't sell well enough to to garner any kind of sequel in the in this kind of arcadey racing uh world and mario kart kind of still stands alone as always the best one that's right and in my opinion mario kart 8 uh, for the switch is still the best version of mario kart so you know if you are hampering for a kart game th that is the one to go like you could go back and try all these things but there's there's just way more value in eight, and now that they're doing the DLC maps, which you know some people might, including me, might say like they're way too not detailed enough. Even then, there's new maps that you get to play, and it's 
it's a good package there's something about the new Mario Kart levels, though, in the new Mario Kart game that you're right, it is super polished and it probably is the peak of what a kart racer can be is that there's something charming about when a kart racer is clunky or like slightly broken or slightly weird or the items are just a little bit off balance. Like it feels like a kid put together a racetrack with toys and stuff like a kid's not going to put together a perfectly polished game. That's mm-hmm. one of the reasons why I like Double Dash is because I feel like it's not it's like the least polished not counting the 2D ones. I feel like it's like the least polished Mario Kart game just in terms of its control, its steering, how the characters are balanced, the weight of the cars feels different. In the new game, it feels like every character is just floaty and everything is drifty. Like it's way too reliant on drifting nowadays, whereas the old kart racers aren't. And this game had a lot of things that Double Dash did not have, specifically that how each character has different acceleration and steering and top speeds, which I know that Double Dash did have, but this game kind of highlighted that a little bit more. Yep. It gave you the angel and devil status of each character, which was cool, like you talked about, how once you level up that meter, it protects you from items. I like the idea of having the uh, the giant, having your character turn into a giant mecha character version of your character. I'm kind of surprised Mario Kart hasn't stolen something like that, <laughs> like having a giant mode like we've seen the tiny mode with the lightning bolt but we've never really seen characters go huge except for maybe like when they get the chain chomp that's kind of the closest thing that i can think of yeah yeah that's the only thing i could think of i was kind of confused about why the psp version got so much extra stuff over the console versions that was a weird thing for me we're not a psp podcast but i love the psp the psp had two exclusive characters mappy and mr driller which are two namco characters that i don't know too much about mappy is like this police officer mouse character from the video game mappy and mr driller is the son of the namco game character dig dug which is kind of cool both uh are exclusive to psp and then the psp also had a a race mode uh called letter hunt where the uh, player has to pick up the letters that spell out pac-man to win the race which that's a really cool mode that sounds awesome that'd be perfect on gamecube to play as four players um there's another one clockbuster where the player is tasked with eating pack dots lining the track and you pick up green clocks along the way at the end you receive a trophy depending on how many pat dots you eat which is a pretty useless mode (laughs) compared to the pac-man one but still like i don't know why the psp version was jam-packed with all these things and not the ps2 version too like if it's a playstation thing that makes sense but it was only on the handheld console which is weird it is weird but uh also let's not forget they also had like i think at least one more map if not two yeah, more maps, too. That's another thing. Double Dash was kind of light on maps, a little light on characters, too. This game had 14, 14 characters in the console version, 16 in the PSP version. And they even gave us a new uh, a new version of Pac-Man, the Pac-Devil. Did you guys get a chance to check out this uh, this gem of a Pac-Man character? Oh, the yes. Pac-Devil. Reminded me of Mike's Halloween costume. I feel like that we need a Pac-Devil in Smash. That would have been an awesome skin. <laughs> That actually would have been pretty awesome. I was gonna say, I was like, we need Pac, but like we have Pac-Man. I actually completely forgot Pac-Man <laughs> is in that game with his oven mitts, his his trademark yeah. oven mitts. Because Bandai Namco makes the Smash Bros. Yeah, game yeah. now. Thanks Bandai. Thanks Namco. Yeah, I mean, the, the, this. Yeah, I think everything's being said about this game that we can. Uh, uh, Ali, do you have any, anything else you want to touch on for this game? This one also had good camera. <laughs> Unlike yeah. you know what you know, so just uh, <laughs> just the fact that. Our racing really just, you know, did not have a good camera, stood out on this episode. But, yeah, again, I wouldn't... Pac-Man, like, I I don't see the five. Like, it definitely, in my eyes, I've played enough karting games and I've played enough just, you know, racing games in general to say this was at least like a 6.5. It, it wasn't just a middle of the pack. There were some cool ideas. And the fact that even now I can, you know, remember some of the map layouts because they really stood out to me. 
um, and some of the music. To me, that's that's saying more than just middle of the pack, you know. I think so too. I hundred percent agree with that. Yeah, but for fifty bucks, it's a little too much. <laughs> uh, that's what. <laughs> well, of these games today, Ali, are there any that you could see yourself wanting to actually pick up? So R racing for sure, definitely right. Uh, big mother truckers, <laughs> yes, because yeah. it, it was quite a lot of fun. <laughs> Um, and if Pac-Man wasn't so expensive, maybe that one as well. Uh, and definitely, definitely, this 100% uh, American Chopper. Of course. <laughs> yes. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's going to be a no for me, dog, on uh, American <laughs> Chopper. Yeah, so. But uh, like always, it has been extremely fun to have you on this episode talking about these racing games. Uh, this was our last racing game episode uh, for the GameCube. So it's uh, sad to say that our racing games have come to an end for the GameCube, but we will definitely be talking about racing games in the future for our next project. So Ali, we will definitely have you back on again for that. That sounds freaking awesome. Thank you for having me guys. It's, uh, as always, it's been super fun and uh, of course. yeah, can't wait to see whatever else you guys cook up <laughs> of course <laughs> see you later all right take care buddy thank you what a nice young man what a nice young man thank you racing expert ali once again just always kills it uh having ali on the show is honestly a huge treat every single time he's been on of course for all the racing episodes he's been on for the snowboarding episodes a couple of the extreme sports episodes and his knowledge is honestly um, like huge vast for those kind of genres and the fact that he is able and takes the time to play these games beforehand uh, and do his homework, I really, really appreciate it. Uh, and uh, yeah, his insights are absolutely invaluable. So Ali, if you're listening, uh, thank you very much. Yeah, no, it's a ton of fun to have him on. I can't believe he's he's managed to come on for all of our racing game episodes, which is really cool. Yeah. All four of them, which is great. And we will, of course, we can't talk about video games without talking about more racing games in the future. So you'll, of course, hear his voice again when we talk about other racing games. Don't know what those are yet, but uh, everyone will have to wait and Mini see, Club including us. <laughs> Sorry, in that year. <laughs> that's probably. Like, that's honestly, like... that's probably it, yeah. <laughs> I, I want to talk about that game so badly. But... <laughs> there you go. That'll most likely be it then. But uh, before we close out for the day, Mike, we still have one more game to talk about without Ali, so we're going to have to figure out how to do this on our own. But let's move on to Street Racing Syndicate. Yeah, let's try and talk about a game by ourselves. That'll be tough. <laughs> let's move on to Street Racing Syndicate, which was released on August 31st, 2004, developed by U-Technics, published by Namco. It's also on PS2, Xbox, Windows, and Game Boy Advance. Rates a 7 out of 10. Priced today at around $25. And this is a underground street racing game. Basically, it was meant to be a competitor for Need for Speed Underground 2. And I saw some gameplay of this game on a Dolphin emulator, and it does look pretty good. Looks almost identical to yep. Need for Speed. <laughs> yeah, they copied uh, the homework a little bit there. So my bad on this one. Uh, I should have, when we were doing the episodes, uh, I, sh I should have moved this to the Need for Speed episode. Because mm -hmm. this is probably where it should live. But I guess because yep. we were talking about Namco games and Utechnics is back here as well. It kind of fit in uh, with these other games. So this is where Street Racing Syndicate lives. Uh, another not good title also. Just want to point that out. Uh, mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, a very, very clear clone of mm -hmm. uh, of Need for Speed. Could have also been another clone episode for sure. Mm -hmm. uh, the one thing that really kind of 
I got guess caught my eye was uh, the the very futuristic AI, and now we talked about the cool futuristic AI or not AI UI uh, um, in the our racing evolution episode, uh, episode our racing evolution segment. But this is like a good example of what people think the future looks like, and just doing it really wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, we just have a lot of weird kind of neon esque uh, tiles and fonts everywhere. Uh, the, uh, even like the, the HUD looks very strange too. There's a lot going on. It's okay, but it just doesn't do it any favors, especially compared to Need for Speed at the time, which had a very nice HUD. Mm -hmm. Uh, of course we have a lot of shots of girls everywhere. Uh, (laughs) uh, the loading screen is basically, well, there's the car loading screen, but there's also the other version of the loading screen where it just shows a bunch of girls in the background with the SRS logo. Uh, all dressed in very kind of Tokyo Drift style, like uh, Fast and Furious style uh, clothes. Uh, mm-hmm. So, you know, this this was the early 2000s, Neil. Yep, this game has the early 2000s written all over it. <laughs> it I, I can't say enough good things about, like, the graphics of the game. Like, it looks yeah. totally fine. Like, it's a total serviceable Need for Speed game. Where it loses me a lot is just how thirsty the girls in this game are. <laughs> it's, it's awkward to play. Yes, like, it is. the cutscenes are so weird. Like, every cutscene... You've got a, you've got one of these girls hitting on you, like basically giving themselves up to you for winning a race. It's so awkward. Your main objective of the game is to live the life of a streetcar racer, which is cool. You gain respect uh, as a street racer, which is very neat for speed. But you're also gaining affection of these random women across the city, which is just so weird. Yeah. And you have to, you have to, you must win every race to to keep your girlfriends. And if you have a good winning streak, you get hotter girlfriends i guess they do dances for you on your car and in the street and stuff it's just so awkward to watch it's really weird and actually one of the girls in the game uh mariah was a a famous bug in this uh weird thing to say was a famous bug in this game where um if you uh after unlocking all three videos of mariah you have to change the girl because she makes the game crash when you win a race with her oh my god which is awesome so i don't know how that happens but for some reason having that girlfriend when you win a certain number of races the game will crash on you that's really funny (laughs) it's awesome it's really good but yeah just that part of the game for me i lost it a little bit it's like okay this game is cool but i could do without that like the game has a lot of really cool licensed cars there's over 50 licenses from yes. nissan toyota mitsubishi lexus subaru mazda volkswagen so many and these cars get damaged too which is not something that you always see because no. those car uh licenses they don't want to see their cars damaged and destroyed in games but you actually can do that in this game i'd say that's the number one part of this game for me that i really really enjoyed was the licensed cars and yeah the damage models were really well done mm-hmm. i honestly because uh, need for speed i don't know need for speed doesn't feel like a realistic game right it just feels like you're having fun driving around this mm-hmm. while it is a need for speed clone and it is street racing it felt a lot more real to me in some aspects because of the models i think and because of the licensing it just because a lot of times you're just playing as these random cars like you're you're not playing as like a uh, some Maserati or something, or some like Lotus, like some uh, really nice cars on the street. Uh, you're playing as like a, a Volkswagen Golf, you know, right. <laughs> like you're playing as a family car. <laughs> yeah, I mean, obviously there's like like a big custom car culture around Volkswagen and things, but mm-hmm. still, it, it was cool to play as these more more regular cars, I guess you can say, uh, in a lot of these levels. And and yeah, because with the damage models and stuff, it did feel more real. Of course, as you go on, you get to unlock more 
um, uh, kind of standard racing cars like the the uh, Mitsubishi like Lancers, the Toyota like Supras, and other kind of style Toyotas at the time too. So it, it becomes more of a traditional kind of street racing Need for Speed style. But I I, th- I found the beginning kind of cool, like like just racing around in a generic Volkswagen. Yeah, some of the Need for Speed games start off like that too. I remember playing they do. Uh, Mo- Most Wanted on PSP back in the day and basically never leveling up from my Mazda 2 or Mazda 3 or whatever <laughs> it was true. that I yeah, had, which was yeah. really fun. I just really had a nice Mazda, an orange Mazda 3. That's all I ever, <laughs> I, that was the best I could do in street racing. But yeah, even to the the, the, the map design, I know that there's not much that you can do yeah. with, a, with a racing game going through the streets, but it just like, even to the point of like the arrows telling you where to go, like it's the exact same colorful neon arrows pointing you along the turn and the streets are all kind of wet and it's always dark and they, the billboards are changing and there's there's random logos. Some are real, some aren't. Like randomly there's a DC logo, like the, the skate brand DC is yeah. in there randomly and then a made up one is in there. Like I feel like it's just such a mix of real and fake and fake people. Obviously there's no famous uh, street racers. Um, yeah, I don't really know what this game was, was trying to do other than just take some money away from Need for Speed, which... It probably did, uh, but it didn't do well enough to uh, to create a series out of it the same way games like uh, Need for Speed still exist and Burnout and, and the actual racing games like Forza and Gran Turismo. This is just one of those other games in the 2000s that is in that graveyard. Yep. Yeah, it, it probably, you know, we'll probably never see this again. <laughs> uh, no. Oh, uh, not unfortunately, just like, yeah, it's kind of too bad that it doesn't get to improve. That's that's what I think whenever there's these sure. single games, right? Like, the, I don't think a lot of people expect like their first outing to be some uh, masterpiece. But I think this especially, I, I sour on this game a little bit more. It's still a, a very solid game, like you said, but I sour on it a little bit more because of how good our racing evolution is, mm-hmm. which came out, you know, almost a year before this one. So... It's really impressive in that sense to see it compared to this one. But uh, one fun fact, last um, last thing about this game that I have to say is that it was actually supposed to be published under the 3DO uh, company. And uh, 3DO mm-hmm. actually declared bankruptcy <laughs> in 2004. <laughs> they made a lot of games on the GameCube. We've obviously said their name many times. Um, and they sold off uh, Street Racing Syndicate and Namco picked it up. And here we are. They picked it up for one point five million dollars. Wow! I, I mean, that feels I can like a think. Lot. Of, I, I don't I know can, if that's a lot, to be honest. That's well, that's not. <laughs> but for two thousand and four money, like that's a lot of money. It's it's not a lot. Three DO didn't have that many uh, valuable IP. Ubisoft picked up uh, Heroes of Might and Magic for one point three million. Hmm. That series is still going. It's got a yeah. a moderate PC audience. I think it, the games, you know, they have highs and lows like anything else. So I think. Ubisoft looked out a little bit more, but 1.5 million for a racing franchise—it's—it's it's, no, it, it's not a lot. But I mean, I—I'll I'll take 1.5 million dollars any day of the week. Um, Namco, yeah, if really you want to fund our podcast, 1.5 million dollars, mm. we are open to talks. We are always for sale, exactly. <laughs> but uh, Mike, I've already hit the back of the cases of all these games at the start of the mm. episode, so I think it's time that we transition now into our closing segments. Are there any games that we talked about today that uh, you're now looking for or a game or two that you suggest the listeners pick up? Absolutely, Neil. This is uh, mm-hmm. this was a really fun episode to record, I must say. Yeah. And because there was actually a lot of good games, unexpectedly good games on this uh, episode. You know, we, we kind of titled this episode at the beginning as NASCAR and kind of uh, hilarious or weird games on the uh, mm-hmm. uh, racing games on the GameCube. Um, NASCAR, all the NASCAR games are very good. I personally... Uh, want to pick up NASCAR Chase for the Cup 2005. 
that looks like just a, such a fun game. The RPG kind of style there, the hero villain meter, uh, and as we saw our 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 buddy in NASCAR, you know, he said that he played it for GameCube, so that's how he did that move. <laughs> so we got to pick it up as well. Uh, our Racing Evolution, like I said before, I'm definitely on the on the lookout for this game. For Twenty bucks, absolute steal. It's yep. a beautiful game. It's really really modern. Uh, I was really impressed with that. You could easily play it today. So just that camera is the one thing to get over, but very good game. And then, honestly, Big Mother Truckers, like uh, like Ali said, I think this is a cool game, just honestly, for the radio alone. I'd like to just kind of play around with it. If I can find it for a good price, I will definitely pick it up and, and yeah, just drive around with that radio on. Yeah, I think that the you're right, the hilarious game side of this episode that we had originally titled the episode as were the sleeper hits for me. I was surprised at yeah. how many of these seemingly throwaway titles and low-budget titles, obviously, really stood out to me like yeah the nascar games look pretty cool i may try and pick one up at some point just to say i have a nascar game in my collection i'm not going to pick up all three but maybe the 2005 one is the one to go with uh based on your recommendation there but the trucking simulation games look really cool like yeah. the 18 wheeler the big mother truckers i think that's probably the one i'll go with just because it has that that hick hick county charm to it and the, the characters all have personalities and you've got the whole currency system in there where you're selling and trading and buying mm-hmm. uh things for your truck of course no air no oreo cakesters yet this game predates <laughs> the oreo cakester unfortunately um but yeah that th- those are probably my top two picks i know what you're saying about the um the r racing game uh looks really cool looks like a good sim game but uh racing sim specifically graphically really impressive i just think i i have my fill with uh my burnout game and my uh, need for speed game on gamecube already so I might pass on that one and a uh, Pac-Man world rally. Like it's a, a neat little kart racing game in there that didn't need to exist, but it was kind of a cool way to end off the Pac-Man world series from back in the day. We had three decent platforming games ending off as most platformers did in a kart racing game um, <laughs> yep. or adventure and, uh, or an adventure <laughs> game. Basically. Yeah. They either got a bigger adventure or a kart racer. Those were their two options in life after they had their platforming uh, career. So <laughs> Yeah, like it has, it looks like it has some interesting racing mechanics that I think that Mario Kart will at one point borrow, and it would be really cool to see where it started or where it was used at least in this generation. And Pac-Man was a cool series back in the day; they were really trying hard with the with the character and uh, trying to incorporate other Namco franchises as well at the same time. Mm-hmm. But Mike, do you think that there's a future for any of these franchises that we've talked about today, from NASCAR to uh, Street Racing Syndicate to Pac-Man World Rally? Well, I think for NASCAR, actually, it's really interesting because we kind of lost out NASCAR on Nintendo systems for a long time. We mm-hmm. really didn't get much at all for about like two. Yeah, since 2009, actually. It's so, like 11 years. We just finally got NASCAR Rivals and NASCAR Heat Ultimate Edition for the Switch, I think, last year. Uh, so it looks like NASCAR games are coming back to Nintendo consoles. Obviously, NASCAR games will be made probably forever. Uh, and uh, depending on kind of how they're going to do the license and everything, it would be nice. I can't believe I'm saying this. It would be nice to kind of go back to that annualized sort of franchise where one publisher is working on it and and just update it from there. I think they've 
kind of gone astray a little bit and there's a bunch of little different nascar games out there i know there's a big push for mobile as well in the nascar world which makes sense but yeah it would be nice to go back to that world uh of things in terms of the other games i mean i think most of these franchises unfortunately are dead yeah. uh 18 wheeler you know would basically died on dreamcast and was brought to gamecube um street racing syndicate i i can't see that ever coming back uh American Chopper. I also no. can't see that. I, mean, I, I, th- I think that the one. I think that the one that has the most chance of coming back and still hasn't really died. It's just had a bit of a slow burn. Is Pac-Man World yep. Rally? I think that's the one that you're going to see yep. come back in some sort of way. Like we've had now three Nickelodeon car racers, and that's like the only competition that mario kart has and it kind the of disney me. kart as well but like yeah. that like they're, they're not good i think you're you're totally right because disney and nickelodeon and uh there's Gar- garfield or what or, yeah the garfield uh, racer yeah. yeah i mean i i think uh i sonic think racers sonic yeah, Ra- yeah I, th- I think we can definitely see pac-man come in again and and there's even the crash nitro uh the the remastered the version remake. of that yeah so yeah, I I think you're hundred percent right. Pac-Man World Rally or just Pac-Man Rally in some way is going to be what we see next uh, for this. I don't think we'll see any. I I'd, I'd cross my fingers for our racing evolution, but probably not. Yeah, probably not. I I don't. Th- I think you're right. All these franchises are dead. Pac-Man World Rally definitely has a chance of coming back. I think maybe not in the Switch's lifetime, but maybe the next lifetime. But mm-hmm. I would love to see NASCAR come back as an annualized franchise too. And as we've said many times in the last two and a half years. We'll say it one more time in one more episode, but I would really love EA and Nintendo to come back together again. And I feel like the Mushroom Kingdom and NASCAR for some reason works. Oh, like, yes. I, I, feel, I feel like incorporating the Mushroom Kingdom in not the other way around, not putting NASCAR into Mario Kart. I think putting no. Mario into NASCAR is what works. And I think that that would be really cool, like what they did with NBA and yeah. other and SSX back in the day. I feel like the Nintendo characters would be even just like having them on helmets or having them on decals or having them in the car maybe but just like having some kind of influence in on the nascar loop i think that would be really neat um that would be really cool nintendo and ea have a lot of bridges to mend before then but mike well we're waiting for ea to and nintendo to uh, rip up their divorce papers why don't you let the <laughs> listeners know what they can expect next week on episode 119 of the gamecube school podcast on episode 119 we will be talking about mary kate and ashley hello kitty and brats games for the gamecube these were all games that were definitely targeted specifically at preteen girls back in this era but all three of those things were huge absolutely huge american ashley of course were everywhere in the early 2000s hello kitty has been everywhere for the last 40 years uh especially in japan and brats dolls were extremely popular of course the tv show the movies uh, and uh, it's just going to be a, an interesting time talking about these quite big franchises. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting next week. Uh, two grown men in their late 20s talking about games for <laughs> preteens girls. It's going to be a, a lot of yep. fun. Um, <laughs> these games were interesting party games back in the day, and the franchises are all franchises that we knew about. Like, it was impossible not to know about Mar- Mary-Kate and Ashley and Bratz. We watched YTV and Family Channel back in the day, so we saw all the same ads wedged in between our SpongeBob and Yu-Gi-Oh! episodes. So 
it's a nostalgic uh it's they're still nostalgic franchises for us even though we don't know a ton about those characters so i'm really excited to learn more about them but uh until then ladies and gentlemen thank you so much for listening to episode 118 of the gamecube school podcast new episode every thursday on all the major podcast services leave us a rating and a review so we can make the show better you can support the show by going to patreon.com forward slash the gamecube school all patrons get the show ad free and a little early thank you so much to everyone over there head on over and check out our merch store on tpublic.com link to the store is in the episode description follow us on instagram twitter or facebook and you can join the weekly conversation on our discord channel share us with your friends and family tell the pack devil neil says hi thank you so much for the support and we will see you next week see you later bye-bye GameCube. over 600 games you've never heard of GameCube. the product of what happens when you think inside the box I thought you were going to tell Big Mama whatever to, to say hello. <laughs> tell Lizard Tail that Neil says, ah, oh, that would have been a good one too, man. What do you think the voice actor for Lizard Tail is up to these days? We should check in that. Almost certainly doing other lizard related <laughs> roles. You were going to say doing time. <laughs> and also it did a little bit of time. Great.